Welcome back to Cooper Duper, a Twin Peaks podcast for regular people. This is Jess. Hi, I'm Mikey. And we're back with um, a somewhat more linear episode of Twin Peaks. This is a really, really fun episode. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Um, let's see. Should we just dive right in? Let's do it. So we open with um, Mr. C, and he's walking up a dirt road. Mm-hmm. Very Americana. Um, and then he sees a red bandana on a post, mm-hmm. and he grabs it. Mm-hmm. End of scene. <laughs> mm-hmm. Any initial thoughts? I mean, what do you think Lynch is trying to tell us here? No, this is this is where he's good. A, what you, the first thing you're struck with is like it's daytime, it's bright, the sky is very blue. There's mm-hmm. a big bright red, you know, kerchief on a post or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like all of a sudden, you've got like color and you're back in like reality again it's very kind of refreshing that's because the last color like last episode was either in black and white or mm-hmm. really really dark and at night and everyone's wearing dark colors uh or it's crazy colors of you know inside the the nuclear bomb and it's purple and sure. red and whatever but i feel like this is you get this like oh this feels real now like yeah. the, the use of color and you know, it's very, it pops. Is this our first time seeing Mr. C during the daytime? Mm-mm. Okay. Because it, no, it, it seemed very unfamiliar, but I think I just, like, because like he's he kills covered. Jack during the day when he squishes his face. Oh, and face like, squish. Yeah, he's in the car, like, he gets out of that Mercedes the first time you see that's during the day. That's right. Yeah, he's really, because he's, he's driving still, it during the day. At, yeah. He still is covered in, like, dirt and blood. Yeah. So. Yeah, he looks like a freaking zombie. Oh, yeah, yeah. And. And, and and I'm glad they started with this too because it's we don't know what happened to him at the end of the last episode and right there's it's let's that episode ended let's get like let's not keep this part of mystery Mr. C is still alive yeah yeah there's let's no establish that straight yeah off. let's oh instead of like oh if you release that at any point if the, if you release that information at any other point in the episode mm-hmm. It's feels like a reveal. Yeah, it's like a big reveal of some kind, and they want to say that like we're not creating a mystery with what happened. Mm-hmm. This guy is still alive, right? And then the, the 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 flag to me indicates like this is the the location he was looking for. Okay. This is where he was headed. Was like, hey, we're gonna be in this area. We'll mark our spot with a red mm-hmm. handkerchief. And so he found that, and he found the people he's looking for. Hutch and Chantel. So we've got two scenes that are kind of happening concurrently. Um, We've got this Mr. C and then on the plane. Do you want to jump back and forth the way they do in the narrative or do you want to just stick with the Mr. C scene? Either way. And see it there. Okay, let's just stick with the Mr. C scene for a sec. Um, He arrives where uh, Hutch and Chantel wait for him and we, this is our first time seeing Hutch Mm -hmm. played by Tim Roth. Um, He's great. I love Tim Roth. Yeah, and Chantel we saw maybe second episode? Uh, I think it's. But anyway, that's I think Jennifer it's the Jason very Lee. end of the first one, and the second one. I don't. It's it's all part of that two part first episode, sure. yeah. So uh, we've got these two like pretty big name actors that we're, yeah. we're not seeing until yeah. halfway through the season, which is fun. Um, so Mystery C sends a text message that says, "Around the dinner table, the conversation is lively." And Mr. C calls Duncan Todd for an update on a job that he was hired to do, then gives Hutch an assignment to kill Warden Murphy. Yeah, and Hutch has 
the best worst southern accent. Like it's indescriptly southern. It's it's it, it it's a British me. man trying to do a southern That's, accent. I was going to say it's a British like high school student. Yeah, like trying to like, do it's, just it's, a generic. It's not American regionalized accent. in any way. Like it doesn't sound Texan. Mm-mm. But it does sometimes, but then it sounds Georgian <laughs> yeah. sometimes. Like, it's just super generic, but it's great. But then, like, there's some weird stuff going on with, like, Hutch and Chantal are obviously together. Right. But then Hutch has no problem with Mr. C just coming in and taking what's his. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That yeah. was... They are a couple, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Poss- I don't know if... They're married or not, but they're definitely together. Okay. I think you get more of that later. Or they're just an odd, oddly close partnership, but I just always assumed that they were together. Or maybe together. they have an open relationship. Yeah, we don't for know sure. Their life. Um, but like the way like... Yeah, Mr. C full on sticks his tongue down her throat. Yeah, and she's all about it. And Tim Roth just like looks around Which, like, I'll wait for this to be over. Who then I'll, among us, if yeah. Paul McLaughlin came at us, would be like... <laughs> yeah, but this Kyle McLaughlin... <laughs> Uh, it was working for me. I'm not going to lie. I'm, this is a place for honesty. It was working for me. Uh, right. um, but I think my favorite thing, one of the bits that I love in this is the Chicago Cubs reference, which I I love it. I love the line delivery. I love everything about it. So he says, yeah, give context. When Kyle McLaughlin, when Mr. C says, uh, when he basically, when he's hiring them to kill two people, he mm-hmm. calls it a double header and he says, I've got a double header for you in Vegas. And like giddy, so Tim Roth, J- Hutch jumps up and goes, ooh, let's play two. He says it in the most peculiar way. It's it's so odd. But that is, for anyone who's not a baseball fan, I don't know if that even transcends baseball the way it does here in Chicago. Where yeah, I don't know. Ernie Banks famously... Ernie Banks was Mr. Ev- Cub. His his nickname, Mr. Cub or Mr. Sunshine, was mm-hmm. another nickname because he was always fucking happy to be there. Yeah, I, he loved baseball, but he was a Hall of Fame first baseman, mm-hmm. incredible athlete, and nothing but smiles. Like literally loved to play. So like every like interview or press conference and stuff, they would ask him like, "How do you feel about this game?" He's like, "Let's play two. Mm-hmm. That's what he famously would say all the time. He's like, I, I just want to play again. The but, game's over. Everyone wants to go to the luck. Win or lose, let's play again. Like, he just loved playing but baseball I feel so like the. But I feel like the rhythm of, like, the way, or like, let's play two is, like, the way I've always heard it. Let's play well, two. The, it's always emphasized exactly yeah. that way. Not, whoo, let's play two. Oh, <laughs> let's play two. And like it's got a, it's yeah he's got a weird delivery it, of it like it's and that's which makes me wonder does either Lynch or Tim Roth not know what that is a reference to and so he just I, took the line it, he just gave it a it feels cool to reading. me like a Mark Frost line right that which Be, is why I'm I think he's if, like, a baseball fan yeah yeah um but he the the delivery of it is honestly it just falls out of his mouth like it's genuine excitement of i got a double header for you and he's like i get to kill two people i'm excited no, no, about no. and i understand that but i'm just wondering if neither tim roth nor david lynch got that it was Maybe. supposed to be a ernie banks thing because it was a fun line rating mm-hmm. but it if you weren't kind of cued up to mm-hmm. like teed up to know mm-hmm. forget the pun to know that it's an Ernie Banks reference or maybe it's not maybe it's a coincidence. it's yeah Ooh, let's play two we should <laughs> drop it in so you can hear oh, exactly I, how he says it. Then I got a double header for you in Vegas. Oh, let's play two. 
Yeah, it's, it's great. Just great. It's just great. It's an, it's, it's an it's amazing a, line delivery. It is. And I love it. And he's just like the giddiness of it with the weird accent, mm-hmm. with the fact that it's referencing Mr. Cub, which is one of my, you know, all-time favorite players. Right. Like, it's it's all just delightful to me. Okay. So, uh, concurrently, like, spliced throughout this scene, we also are on our private jet again, um, taking, we've got Tammy Preston, we've got Gordon Cole, we've got... Diane. Diane, and we have Albert. Mm-hmm. Is that um, everybody? And the pilot. But, and the yeah. pilot. The unnamed. Unnamed pilot. Um, so Tammy Preston gets a call from Colonel Davis, who's Colonel, that Colonel is Davis is Ernie Hudson. Ernie, Ernie Hudson to He's go- the one who sends uh, Cynthia Knox to investigate right. the, the discovery of, of Briggs Prince. Uh, so she passes along a call from Colonel Davis to Gordon Cole, telling him of the discovery of Garland Briggs' body in Southern Dakota. So we hear a really lovely half of a phone conversation. Well, even before you get to the phone conversation, there's a lovely, like, little caveat that Tammy puts on it of, like, and try to keep it down. Because Tammy and... and Because she knows he's immediately going to start yelling. Yeah, because Diane and Albert are sleeping. Uh And I think specifically... Because Diane is sleeping. Yes. And she is terrified of Diane. As well she should be. Right, right. And like the whole time she's always side-eyeing her because she's afraid of Diane, which I think is a wonderful she, moment. She kind of played... Oh, God. Um, did you ever hear when Paul F. Tompkins talked about working on the set of... Um, there Will Be Blood? There Will Be Blood. Uh, I think so. I, I Otherwise, I don't know why I would have come up with... Yeah. I mean, I guess he's not a big movie guy yeah. but so what's his face is in that give me the name paul f tompkins no no no. um the main actor oh daniel day lewis daniel day lewis so paul f tompkins does a bit in his i, th- I assume in stand up unless i just listened to a podcast that he was listening it's, to it's in yeah i i think i heard it with you on some podcast yeah that he it but, was like a doug loves movies or like a oh, it could how be. did this get made or something that he was a guest on yeah and i think it came up because they were talking about another actor and it what it was like working mm, i with. feel like it might have been a stand-up because i can imagine um it could i mean it I could be a bit that he does yeah. That, yeah but he talks about being in the room with daniel day lewis and it's like being in a room with a live panther and you're <laughs> just always aware of like it's very quiet and very still, but you just like are keeping your eye on it because you don't know what's going to come out. And I feel like that's how Tammy plays against. Um, I hate that. Oh, oh God! Like I just like method actors. Yeah. Oh, like, they can fucking suck a dick. Jesus Christ! Like men being like low key or high key. Abusive yeah, it's always sets. shitty white men who oh, are method men who like, are playing monsters. Yeah, like like Tom Hanks was not who, in character all great, the time as Mister Rogers. Like yeah, somebody does a great bit about that of like it's. There's is, some stand-up does a great bit about how... No, like, it's not a stand-up. It is um, 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 the guy from Twilight and who's the new Batman. Oh, Pat Robert Pattinson? Robert Pattinson. He said, have you ever noticed it's it's okay. always the white guys playing assholes who like need to stay in character? Yeah. He's... I, I, Loki, I sort of cribbed off what he said from Right, head. but like... I... That is a, a, a guy who I've really come around on. It's like, because of the fact that he got his big start or his big boom was in the Twilight movies. Well, and prior to that was awful. Harry Potter, which like... Oh, is he in those two? Yeah, yeah, okay. he was, um, Yeah, but like... I think his name. I mean, you get into like Good Time or The Lighthouse or Tenet or these things that like, oh shit, this dude's awesome. I think I want to watch Tenet. I think I finally decided that okay. I would like to watch Tenet. Okay, yeah, it's we been, can watch it. It's, it's piqued my interest for too long. Um, anyway, 
So I guess that's what it puts to mind of like, she's in this room, uh, Tammy is in this room, like in this very yeah. confined space with something very dangerous and she's really fucking nervous and about like, it. And like dangerous in a way that like, I don't know who she is. I don't know what she's capable of. Because oh. so far she's- Cole and Albert don't seem to be doing anything to prevent her from being a monster. Yeah. So. <laughs> and like so far she's learned my name and then said fuck you to my face i don't know where that line yeah. ends like is she going to straight up attack me on this plane and if she does is anybody gonna yeah. help me? is it for the good of the case right exactly so um so uh gordon cole yells about being in work. and i don't i don't appreciate your tone don't don't use that kind of language with me oh buckhorn like there's... oh is that what that joke yeah. was oh, it's some reference to he thought Fuck, fuck is in there somewhere. Yeah. And what do you, well, Eastern South Dakota. <laughs> yeah, South Dakota, West South Dakota. We're over East South Dakota <laughs> right now. Like, <laughs> like you can tell. Like It feels like. like and he 19- just like peeks out the window to know that too. He doesn't look at like any like instruments <laughs> or like. He just oh, sees Mount yep. Rushmore <laughs> down like, below. You can see like the, the map drawn lines <laughs> of like. Uh, exactly. <laughs> Um, um, but yeah. I really liked this whole scene because it really played like 1970s sitcom of mm-hmm. like you're only hearing one side of the conversation and it's ridiculous and they give all of the exposition on uh-huh. their side East South Dakota you say we're in West South Dakota and, <laughs> and you don't need any of it oh absolutely he can not. go uh huh uh huh uh huh okay we need to go to South Dakota because Coop or hear or me out none of that has to yeah. happen and Tammy can just say hey they found a body in South Dakota we should go there exactly <laughs> But listen, any moment that we get to hear Gordon Cole, just be Gordon Cole. Yeah, I'm that's happy. Great. That's great. Um, um, and I love in this scene, so they cut back. Diane wakes up. You see that. Mm-hmm. I love that this is the first of a lot of chair references. Stand chair out to me. Chair heavy episode, huh? Yeah. Stand out to me. Um, but this one I love that they're both sleeping in their chair. Um, Diane looks like she probably just kind of got drunk and passed out. Correct. Because she's sitting like upright and mm-hmm. just like kind of. Fa- Albert has his jacket over yeah. his shoulder. He's sitting. I feel sideways. like on a private plane, they have blankets, don't they? Well, they have. They probably have blankets, and more importantly, that fucking chair reclines. He's got it at a ninety degree, like perpendicular, <laughs> and he's like trying to snuggle like, in as and if get he's comfortable. In coach. <laughs> yeah, like you are on a private jet. There's not even anyone behind you. <laughs> I guarantee fucking tea that that chair reclines. Yeah, <laughs> recline it, dude. You can do that. But like. But it's just a bizarre use of a chair. And I, we, Mikey and I were trying to find a very specific behind the scenes scene that Mikey was trying to remember. And so we watched a couple little bits here and there. And it's funny to watch David Lynch's process that you and I are like, I was just about to ask you like, do you think there's a point that he needs to sit up because it's relaxing if he's too far back and it signal, signals that he's still on the case? No, I think... I, it's I just think funny. It's, it's funny, funny looking. And slash or it's easier for them to just like look at each other yeah. and start talking instead of... Uh-huh. It's just one less thing for them to have to do. And it seems like sometimes David Lynch is like, yeah. That's fine. That's fine. The things he cares about, he cares about very, very particularly. And the and things he else. doesn't, he does not give a shit about. It's amazing. <laughs> and I, I just, I love that approach. Mm-hmm. I love that approach. Yeah. Um, so- but then he does, so he does that. He looks at, <laughs> and, and like Diane wakes up, Albert looks at her. And Diane kind of looks at him and goes, yeah, yeah, I know. Fuck you, Albert. It's such a great, it's such a, just a fucking great. They have great... really good chemistry, oh, those so two. Good. Um, so Cole asks Diane to stay with them uh, for their trip to Buckhorn. 
um, and has the pilot reroute. And she, I don't know why her delivery was like, I just want to fucking go home was very good. And also spoke to my soul in a very real way. I also love that he tells the pilot, we're going to Buckhorn, South Dakota. And he's just like, okay, not like which airport, where can I land? Where can I get clearance? Just like going to Buckhorn. All right, you see know, you there. The Buckhorn International Airport. Everyone's, you know. <laughs> like, which is like Doesn't look for, like, where's the closest airport? Because my guess is this looks like a small enough town where the closest airport is probably 40 or 50 miles away. Oh, e- oh my At God. Least. I think that's... At least. That's minimum. Because, I, mean. like, yeah. I mean, even Missoula, which is a pretty big city in Montana, has a teeny yeah. tiny I airport. Mean, we're in... Aurora, Illinois, which is the second largest Mm -hmm. city in the state of Illinois, and we're 50 miles from Chicago. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Okay, so... uh, Ish. (laughs) So Preston... So Tammy then... So Tammy receives a call from Warden Murphy, uh, who tells Gordon that Mr. C or Cooper has... Did they say escaped? I don't, I don't remember uh, I think, what words they use. This I, says they left the prison, but I don't know how much information we got. Or, I, I think it's on the got. phone, so I don't think we hear. Oh, we even heard. Um, but then Cooper or uh, Cole drops the line of like, Cooper flew the coop. Oh, yeah, and I rolled my eyes. Yeah, which the only reason I it bothered, it's a dumb line, is that they already used that joke. Mm-hmm. And when they used it before, it was used better. Right. So in, I think it's... Uh, Episode one of season two, when Albert is explaining to Cooper that Wyndham Earl is out and about, he says, your old partner flew the coop, coop, which is a much funnier delivery. It's like the the, Miguel Ferrer's delivery of it is great. Can you please stop kicking? I know. I was gently (laughs) touching you with my foot. Um, The delivery of of Miguel Ferrer is fantastic. Uh. The joke is funnier when it's like, your old partner flew the coop. Coop. Like, it's... Well, and especially coming from Miguel Ferrer, who is, like, yeah. so dry. Yeah, it's great. So, like, Cooper flew the coop is not as funny. No. It's okay. It's fine. It doesn't That's... bother me, but it's... It's eh. not especially clever. They're better. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so we are back in Las Vegas. So Cooper and Janie... Eat. It does add to the silliness of this episode as a whole, though. Sure. It, this this episode has a real kooky vibe that we haven't gotten in a minute. I, I, you definitely needed a, a palate cleanser of yes. sorts from the, pre- the previous. And something that, like, this... I'm kind of hard-pressed to think of anything that is, like, completely weird that happens in this episode that doesn't, like, kind of get resolved in some way. It's not... Like, there's stuff with, like, um, with the colonel, and he told his wife things, major, and it's major the Ritz. major, um, and he's kind of... Like, there's some supernatural and, like, weird mm-hmm. stuff there, but it's all kind of wrapped up. And it's a almost a direct reference to the scene with Bobby and Major Briggs. Right. In, where he explains to him, like, I had this vision of you. Right. Which makes you realize, like, during that scene, it wasn't a vision he was fucking See. there <gasps> wait he, like we major briggs is time traveling at this point so he was in the future he saw bobby living this life and came back to say and explained it away as being a vision but at that point major briggs was in the future and saw bobby and came back to tell bobby don't worry i know you're going to be okay i've seen it and so it adds a whole new layer on to season that episode in season two Wait, can you explain to me why you think that he 
and maybe I'm just being dense, why you think he time traveled is instead of like had a vision. I mean, this is the, the whole thing about like, A, he's a 40 year old man still 25 years later when they find uh, his body. The alter, when you're starting to talk about alternate universes and alternate timelines and uh-huh. stuff, they, you know, when, um, from fucking scream uh when matthew lillard, oh, matthew lillard. Uh, hastings like talks about when he met the major he met him in this other state and he was still a young man then like major oh, briggs I is see. is traveling whether it's whether it's linear time travel as we know the idea of time travel to mm-hmm. be you know what i mean or just bouncing through time mm-hmm. time space you know mm-hmm. he's moving Around and disappearing, he disappears for several days in season two. Right. Presumably, he went to another timeline. Then, uh, whether and so, it's ta- when whether Major Briggs disappeared yeah. and didn't come back, it's because I mean that's probably another instance of he was taken or moved or whatever. Gotcha. But okay, idea the the idea being he is is bouncing around through time and legitimately saw. The future. The future, I As think. As it was, yeah. Yeah. So we're back in Vegas. Uh, Cooper and Janie E are... Um, anyway, I think I kind of... Sorry, I interrupted you, I think, to make that point. You were making a point. Was it interesting? You... I don't know. You were talking about weird stuff happening in this episode. And Oh, oh, oh. No, I'm sorry. Um, I was just saying that this is very clearly intentionally a palate cleanser from the last episode. Like, it's more or less self contained like there's no you don't finish the episode and go what the fuck just happened to me yeah like, there's kooky stuff there's kooky stuff but it's moving the plot forward yeah. in a mysteries in a way. that were introduced were more like what the fuck is in that chair oh we find out later mm-hmm. the episode I mean granted that what we find is another weird fucking mystery mm-hmm. but it is something you know um so Vegas Cooper Janie E they are win for Bushnell Mullins, uh, who is Cooper's boss, to give a statement to the Las Vegas police concerning Dougie and the attack that had been attempted on him. Um, so this is from this is two episodes ago now, and this is when uh, like the spike attacked them. Uh, Mullins allows Cooper to take the rest of the day off and says that they will seek answers the next day. So we've got our three cops. We've got our three Fuscos, <laughs> uh, which we we, we D saw. Fusco, T Fusco, and Smiley Fusco, which is a Nickname. Yeah, we watched a couple. We were trying to find a specific thing in this scene, and we um uh, behind the scenes reference to this scene, and we ended up listening to David Lynch try to name the Fusco brothers it's for like so five good. minutes. It's so good. And, and whoever like and just wh- being like I, whatever his name is, make that his tell, name. Tell I don't me his care. name. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was good. pretty funny. Um, so. So our three cops, the um, the Fusco brothers, they note that they have no information about Dougie Jones prior to 1997. So presumably this is when Dougie Cooper. Jones was manufactured. Right. Because so they still think this is yellow jacket, shaggy hair Dougie, Dougie Jones. Jones. yeah. And we know that he was manufactured for a purpose. So it seems like Mr. C manufactured Dougie in, in roughly 1997, which... Timeline works for that because it was 92-ish yeah. when the season ended. So, like, took him a few years to get up to the status and the ability, you know, to get to a point where he knew how to do all this shit. Yeah. And his kid is probably 12, so yeah, that means maybe he's born in 2005 like or so, yeah. according to this 
timeline. So yeah. It, so it, yeah, it gave you, you know, Dougie Jones well, enough world experience to like function in the world mm-hmm. to have met and married a wife and had a child, right? Um, and gave Owns enough a house like had yeah, a career and gave enough time for Mr. C to know how to manufacture something, like understand what right. is happening there. Right. Uh, and so they, um, they sort of suspect witness protection, which tracks. Mm-hmm. Um, so Detective DeFusco, uh, which one is that? Is that? I think that's the one that I don't recognize him from anything. Uh... There's the one guy who's in like Parks and Rec. There's David Keckner, And I think... Actually, D, D. Fusco, I think, is David Keckner. Yes, D. Fusco is Keckner. Larry Clark is T. Fusco. And Eric Edelstein is Smiley. Okay. And he's the one from Parks and Rec. He's he's one of those people who's always in all the town halls. Oh, that's where I like, know. Be like, I think we should blah, 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 whatever. Is he's, he a writer primarily? I feel like all those town hall people yeah, tend to be like, writers. Those guys, yeah. I mean, all, like. I I wouldn't be surprised if all three of those guys like came out of the UCB or something. Oh, I, I'm sure Keckner came UCB. Or... I'm pretty. I... No, Keckner would have come would have been before UCB because UCB really? didn't start till the. Uh, Actually, cause... no, Keckner is famously Chicago. Chica- yeah, he's, he's a, a yeah, second, he's city, a second guy. city guy. I O. Yeah. Um. Anyway, so uh, David Keckner, D Fusco brings so D for David. We can remember that. <laughs> we definitely won't remember that. Um, brings Cooper a second cup of coffee um, and takes his... F- oh, was, wasn't it before that that Mullins explains that Dougie was in an accident a few um, years they ago? They skipped over that. Okay. I th- he was which, in a car accident. But it gives you the only moment where of explanation as to how people are okay with, how okay with him being really, really slow right now. Right. And right. saying that like he was in an accident and ever since then... He's fine for a while, and then he goes through these bouts where he's really slow, and I think so everyone chucks it up to that, Mm -hmm. which is not enough, but it's something. They're at least acknowledging that what the fuck. I completely agree. It's not enough, but it's enough for me right now of like, oh, okay, thanks. Uh, So... So David Fusco brings Cooper a second cup of coffee, um, and he takes his first cup for it to be analyzed for identifier. So DNA fingerprints. Cooper and Janie E. Oh. Sorry, to close the, the shades, I was getting a big glare in my eye. Oh. Um, no, it's but I, sunny what, today for the first time yeah, in like right. three months. It's very exciting. Um, what I like about that coffee mug thing, though, is he Keckner just says like, oh, I've got an idea. And walks over and goes, oh, would you like a refill? And the other guy goes to get an evidence back because they're all on the same page. Right. Like, I've got an idea is enough for him, to, for his brother to be like, get an evidence back. He's going to get some prints. Which is funny because- I like, love that. It, it, like, I like the way it shows, like, connectivity, but also, like, getting fingerprints and DNA samples of somebody is, like, a pretty basic thing to do if you can't identify him. Like, yeah, you're going to get a thing with his sure. fingerprints and- like I sure, know, it's, it's they can like, they can kind of conduct their own, mm. you know, yeah. Uh, Cooper and Janie E remain seated. Um, Cooper or Dougie rather, uh, Dougie staring at the American flag in the lobby and a woman's red shoes, and then he zooms in um, on a an electrical out- outlet. Mm-hmm. So we've seen him like attracted to 
Sure. So, so yeah, what? So I kind of get the American flag because he's the FBI. He wore and you can hear the anthem playing. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, yeah. I get the outlet because we've definitely seen. That's where he came from. Yeah. That's how we got here is through an outlet. Red shoes means nothing to me. I there's two things about that, and I've I've heard a lot of people discussing it. The biggest connection is in the pilot when the pilot pilot or the pilot the pilot pilot okay when Audrey comes in takes off her saddle shoes and puts on bright red pumps oh and so those bright red pumps are kind of a symbol of Audrey Horn okay um okay interesting so I think that's a connection my thought is just this is a colorful episode so Mm -hmm. David Lynch wanted a color that pops mm-hmm. and all of the, all that this is is a distraction from him zoning out and staring at the flag to draw his eyes over to the outlet you need to move from point Track. a to point b and the things that are relevant are the american flag and the outlet and the outlet is what's hey what's going on here because not only mm-hmm. okay. is it where he came from we know the outlet is where he came from right it's a little bit foreshadowing to something we'll see later okay which is it's almost yeah. impressive how little I remember what happens in the, the back half of this of this season because mm-hmm. I've watched this like it sounds like this is my first time watching this. I've watched this through twice and right. it had so little stickiness mm-hmm. for me. Like it just so I genuinely feel like well, I'm, when you're not analyzing it and it 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 just seems like watching chaos and chaos doesn't stick. A hundred percent. I mean, right. this is and I, I've said this before. Like the reason I love doing this podcast is like. This gives me... You can appreciate it more, yeah. I appreciate it more. It reminds me of being in college and, mm-hmm. like, let's talk about, like, what Hester Prynne yeah. <laughs> represents or what the fuck... You know what I mean? Hester like, it's, Prynne, again, was Audrey's well, nom de plume. That was an, in, an intentional callback, Michael. I'm not new um, No, but it... Kick, 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 so, kick, yeah, kick, it's kick. very much a recognition of suppressed memory, the, okay. the outlet, as well as foreshadowing as to something we'll see later. So, in your mind right now... God, we're on 30 minutes in. We're a scene and a half in. That's what we do. Uh, <laughs> in your mind right now, is Cooper, is it like um, like amnesia that Cooper has that he the memories are in his brain somewhere? He just can't tap them and he's seen little like sparks of it? Or does that, do those memories have to like redevelop or, or, or does... Special Agent Dale Cooper not exist until you bring Mr. C into Dougie. Okay, that's not good radio. Mikey did the shruggy emoji. Yeah, I, I mean, I <laughs> Which, for kids I don't these know. days, is just shrugging. Because um, <laughs> that, I mean, okay, here we go. Wait, wait, wait. Like, no, I see you're about to start, but I have a theory like, working. Okay. Um, it's like a jigsaw puzzle. And Dougie has... Dougie, as it existed, had like yellow. I, I like to refer to him as Yellow Jacket Dougie. Yellow Jacket, is that what you're talking about? Yeah, yeah. Yellow okay. Jacket Dougie has a little section of it. Mister C has a section of it, and then this this new Cooper or whatever we're calling him, this new Dougie, mm-hmm. this Coopery Dougie, has part of it, and like he's trying to put all the puzzle pieces together, but he's missing half of them, so he can't figure out what's mm-hmm. going on. But once in a while, he clicks something in, like oh, okay, those things match. Oh, the mm-hmm. um statue is triggering something oh the flag means something mm-hmm. yeah that's fair i think what i would say is the difference the big difference is 
Yellow Jacket Dougie is more isn't like oh a missing piece as much as it's a Yellow Jacket Dougie is kind of what took away pieces. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. he was man he is not part of Cooper. He is this other entity that was created from Cooper. So he's just kind of a he's the one mixing things up. And, so you're saying that Yellow Jacket Dougie had no would have never had any inkling that he was not exactly who he thought he was. Yeah, I don't think so. I okay. think I think he's the type of thing where he it's interesting. I don't know. I think there's a lot of like it I get hints of like repressed memory type stuff. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of it remind like I think you this gets back into our conversation, our really long conversation about the culpability of Leland. Oh Jesus! I'm sorry, I didn't expect it. I, no, no, I think because I, but I just, but I think that's Leland where it is. Is like, how much did Leland know? How much did he shut down and allow Bob to take over or whatever? I think we're in that same realm mm, of like, it's not clear that like, oh, we're just he's. He, it's a repressed memory or whatever. Like, it's not clear. I think it's int- intentionally left vague so you can, as a viewer, put on it whatever you would think. Sure. Um, but I think there's, it's like Cooper's in there. Like, like you mentioned the sunken place from Get Out before. Uh-huh. I think there's Cooper's in there somewhere, but doesn't have a voice doesn't have any agency that's all handled by the body the vessel which is dougie this manufactured dougie okay okay but i i don't know yeah you know it's because i mean and i without getting too much into like spoiler territory the way we get cooper quote unquote as we know him back so don't worry, people. You do see Cooper as we know him mm-hmm. for the most part. Back. I don't know. It's weird. It's weird. Something like he's there. Real Cooper is there somewhere. Mm-hmm. All of Cooper is there somewhere. And it's repressed in some way somehow. Okay. That's kind of all I see. But the real question is Cooper, the two seasons we saw of Cooper... Is that Cooper? Is that a whole Cooper? Oh no! And that's where I think oh, it. No. <laughs> like once he enters the red room, is when shit starts splintering dramatically. And I don't think. So you're saying that there is a chance we haven't seen Cooper since episode three of the original series? No, because that's just dream. My honestly, my real theory is we. Only see Cooper in one episode, and it's part 18 of this series. That's very stressful for me. Okay. Boy, oh boy. Um, so we are back at the the motel where Ike the Spike is staying. So he is the one who tried to murder Dougie and Jeannie E. Um, but he's had a rough week, man. He broke his spike. <laughs> he lost some of his hand. I I want to talk about this shot, though. Okay. So props to Peter Deming, who I assume designed this shot, DP. Um, we're about to see that his right hand is all bandaged up mm-hmm. because he lost his entire fucking palm. Mm-hmm. Um, 
But when we see this shot, it's shot over his shoulder in the mirror. You don't see his right hand. It's below the desk Mm -hmm. and it's in a mirror and he's pouring himself a drink and he's doing it all lefty, which Mm -hmm. doesn't look awkward. No. Um, Also, it's like if you're a righty and so doing things left-handed looks awkward to you or something like that, you're seeing it reflected so he looks right-handed. Yeah. Or he looks left-handed depending on how you see it so none of it looks weird. Mm -hmm. But then he... It looks like he's using his yeah, dominant he hand. He pours his drink, sets the bottle down, grabs a drink, and walks over to the bed with the suitcase. And they pan across and do it in such a way where the edge of the mirror is always cropping out his right arm. Mm-hmm. And so he's using all of it, but you only, like, it's just a beautifully staged shot. And in a way, you don't realize what you're doing. Exactly. What doing. They don't, it doesn't look like you're hiding his right arm. Right. But you never see his right arm. It's not like in shows yeah. when somebody's pregnant and they're always just holding a big kettle of things. Exactly. Like, <laughs> like fucking Austin Powers style where yeah. he's like standing exactly. in front of things all the time. Yeah. <laughs> no, it looks very natural. It looks very, very natural. And it's just, it's just a very simple, but deliberately staged shot. And I, I think it's gorgeous. Yeah, it looks really good. Um, he leaves a message for somebody named JT saying that he's taking medical leave, which is honestly <laughs> no like, cigar. Christoph, uh, Christoph, you have to Christoph. Yeah. Zajac Denik. Okay. He is not in this show very much, and he's very good in well, this show. It, he goes from being utterly terrifying. Uh huh. Too very serious, but also like, oh, he's he like has very, goofy, like, oh, I broke my spike. Is yeah, so he has a very like shark like demeanor mm-hmm. when he's like getting ready to go and like kind of dead eyes and mm-hmm. the terrifying teeth. And then that one thing when he broke his spike is fucking hysterical. And then this scene, which yeah, you get the reveal of the right, right. and then and then the, the jokes by the the police they they got your a print from your palm. palm. They got your whole palm. palm. <laughs> <laughs> Smiley's goo like and he, and, he just, and they, they the best is like and the reveal he's of it. got it the terrifying you see the arm go up oh the bandage you can't hide from this mm-hmm. they zoom in on him and you think it's done and then you just hear this oh yeah <laughs> like you think Slow. the shot is Good. done and you just get this tiny little whimper that I think is delightful it genuinely is I, it's just one of those kind of standout yeah. performances it, that it is, is better than it needed to be. It, it did not did, need to be this very this, funny role. This is a more or less an unimportant character. Mm-hmm. Uh, like he, like we've kind of seen what he's going to yeah, do. He's a hitman. This could have been any generic hitman. Mm-hmm. And they gave this character such depth that did not need to be I there. would watch a movie about Agnes Spike. For sure. Easily. For sure. I'll write it. Yeah. Christoph, give me a call. Mm-hmm. We met that one time. Okay, so we are... Oh, so he leaves motel room. He's stopped in the hallway by the police. And then we have our yeah. our kind of button on the end of the scene. Oh. Uh, <laughs> it sounds like a, a sound Dottie makes. I'm like, yeah, yeah it does. It sounds like a, like a whining little puppy. Ike, you're under arrest for attempted murder. We have your palm print. As a matter of fact, Ike, we have your whole palm. <laughs> Uh, so uh, we go back to Twin Peaks. Uh, we see Andy and Lucy. They're each at their respective. Well, is Andy at a 
a computer or is he just sitting at a desk? at a computer at his desk. He's got a nameplate and everything. Okay. Um, but what this does is expands the size of the police station. In season one and two, you never... Behind Lucy is a wall. And oh. you never realize that there's now another office behind mm-hmm. that wall, which is kind of cool. Like, yeah. seems like they built that because, like, Andy and Lucy want to have their desks next to each other, which I think is sweet. Well, except for Andy's desk is behind Lucy's desk, which is my nightmare. Somebody can just sit and see my monitor all day. <laughs> it's worst case scenario. But presumably Andy is out and about sure, frequently. Of course. Yeah, he's not just doing paperwork. Um, uh, so, yeah. uh, so, this is Lucy- our second chair. Yes. Wait. Reference. I I think the first one is just being um, Albert sitting in his chair like a fucking weirdo. (laughs) Okay. So uh, Lucy is deciding between just a very generic chair and ottoman set. And they're deciding between beige and red. Mm -hmm. And she's clicking. Like this uh, is another example of a scene that like Lynch takes his time with. Because we get to look at that beige chair. Mm -hmm. We get to... Look at that red And it isn't chair. just like, she could be like, you know what? And turn around and say it. Nope. She has to Stands stand up. up boop, 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 thump, 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 yeah. thump, thump. We did the walk same all the way back. Yeah. How Lucy walk walks all the way reason. back to him and say, you know what, Andy? I like, like the, the beige, beige chair. chair. And I think my favorite, one of my favorite little subtleties about this is that Lucy likes the beige chair. Mm-hmm. Andy likes the red chair. Mm-hmm. In this scene, Lucy is wearing a red sweater uh-huh. and Andy is wearing his beige Deputy uniform, which I think is just. Do you? Do that feels you, coincidental. I, is it? Because it's not like a red sweater. It's a patterned sweater yeah, that has. But it's primarily red. Yeah. Um, I'm curious. Like I just I I I find it entertaining that like is that the thing of like you like this other color because Andy has to wear fucking beige all day every oh. day. I want something of a different color. Like or is it just yeah you know. Uh, yeah. So we have this exchange, and then it's a very sweet little thing. He's like, you know what? Get the chair you want. And then Punky. she gets the chair he wants, and it's adorable. And he squishes his couple. face against her face. And then and then the best thing about it is like, you know what? You're right. It doesn't really matter. You're the one buying it. Yeah. You want, you want the fucking base chair get the base chair yeah. i'm fine with that and then she goes <laughs> and like gets all giddy about like picking the red chair yeah she ends up buying the red chair and gets all giddy of like this will be such a fun surprise yeah. for andy i it's, it's sweet well it's, and it's nice because the entire first few seasons in twin peaks it's the will not will they or won't they have andy and and i was gonna say kimmy andy and <laughs> um and lucy but it's really nice that like she ended up with Andy and by all accounts they seem to have like a nice happy marriage mm-hmm. like it's not it's not one of those things where like you see tw- it's so easy to see like 20 years later like oh it's been a terrible marriage yeah. and he brings work home with him and I'm cheating on him like I'm glad we have this nice little wholesome family yeah. with their weird son <laughs> uh- <laughs> and he gave the, he just gave them permission to turn it into that's the best. They took. Gave, he gave course. him permission to turn. That's why they're shopping for furniture, because he, he said ga- study or did yeah. he study. Yeah, he, I, he gave he gave them permission to convert his room. So they're looking for new furniture for the genuinely, the room conversion. Yeah, I tell you, I my my best friend Leah, who lives in Portland, she's watched some of Twin Peaks, but when I was editing the episode, when we see the um, Wally monologue, I just sent that to her with no context, and I was like, "What do you think?" She's like. It makes as much sense with context. Oh, 100%, <laughs> but I gave her none. Yeah. And she was like, 
<laughs> Jess, that was really weird. Just like, which is for Leah a lot to say something else is weird. Anyway, um, so boo, boo, boo. so so that's it. They yeah they were so they got the order chair. the chair. Yeah, end of scene. It's also like the lamest looking like generic version of Amazon, but like on a Mac. Yeah, like they they like the heading of the Amazon page is like the Mac red, yellow, green, but like dots. Oh, uh-huh. like it's it's a really it's like buy now with pay now <laughs> instead of PayPal. Yeah. Like all these like little things that they just like tweak the design yeah. of. It's just funny genericness. I love. You know, you talked about you always wanted to do a supercut of people watching themselves in movies. Mm. Not watching themselves, but like people watching movies. Oh, I thought it was watching. Like, just, I, I, I love those. I love those shots of people sitting in a movie theater from the screen perspective, and like the the flickering light behind, and they're watching a movie. I, there's just something I. Love I think about I was just thinking shot. of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood when she's watching herself. Oh, so oh, that oh. must have. I must have. But yeah, it. that's a great example. Like, just I just there's something I love about those shots and like the various watching people react to watching movies. I think is a really. Yeah, a fun thing, and they, is that why you married me? Because you're like in so many movies. Because you like watching me react to movies. Uh huh. Yeah. That's exactly. It. That's one. That's it. That's the entire. That's all of it. One and done. Yeah. Um. But anyway, I think another funny supercut would be like all of the generic internet browsers that we see of like mm. this isn't Amazon, this isn't Google, it's not Bing, it's <laughs> yeah, yeah. Swing. Uh, yeah. Searching.net. <laughs> and they always look like... that. It's not even like the current Google logo. It always looks like the 1998 yeah. Google logo. It's just, yeah, five, whatever, six different colors or yeah. whatever. Um, so left unattended, Johnny runs around his home chased by his mother until running directly into a wall. Which we don't see. Right. You just hear the... Which is interesting because it's kind of how we are always introduced to Johnny is mm-hmm. you just hear him yelling yeah. off screen or you hear him like pounding his head against the dollhouse mm-hmm. off screen mm-hmm. and then you see it. So it's cool that they kept with that theme. Yeah. And But then, yeah, but then all you see is a man with a giant, or a giant hole in the wall and a man bleeding out on the floor. Right. It's a, this, when you're talking about weird shit that happens that you get no yeah, context for, this is an example of sure. that. Because what the fuck? Uh, all right. So love this scene. Bobby, Frank, and Hawk uh, go into Bobby's mother's house. What's her name? Uh, Betty Briggs, played by Charlotte Stewart. Very nice. She's a really good actor. She's, I mean, famously, she's in all the... Um, what do you call it? Little House in the Prairie. Oh, is that who that is? Yeah. I've never seen those. I just read that book for the first time a couple of years yeah, she's ago. She's it's like, extremely boring. Really? <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. It's like there's a chapter about how the dad builds a chimney. That's a chapter. Well. Begin and end. <laughs> anyway, uh, no, but she's great. So okay, so we have Bobby, we have Frank, we have Hawk. We're going to see Bobby's mother, Betty, um, to discuss major major breaks, right? Is there a colonel in this? There's, Why do I always no say colonel, I wonder? Um, Major Briggs. Because of your disdain for the military? I mean, All yeah. rankings mean the same thing? Yes. Yeah, that's fair, actually. <laughs> that's actually a very good point. Like, any brain power I use to distinguish between ranks is just a waste. Yeah. I'd rather use it talking about Betty Briggs. Um, where was I? So, yeah, but Bobby comes in and says, like, hey, ma... 
got him in it. And she's like, oh, hey, Bobby, how you doing? You want some coffee? And he's like, actually, I'm here on business. Mm -hmm. And immediately you see her go, wow. Yeah. This is the moment. And she says it out loud later. I've been waiting for this for... 30 years. She's so good. Like, this like scene she is knew so that cool. this moment was coming and never thought it would. Honestly, this episode might have some of my favorite performances oh, in the series. Incredible. Yeah. Um, so she tells them that she was expecting this visit. As Garland told her it would happen, but he did not explain what it would be about. So she kind of says, mm-hmm. before he disappeared, he told me that Bobby, Hawk, and... Sheriff Truman mm-hmm. didn't realize it was this Sheriff Truman. And I love, I love that tiny little chuckle about it of like, I didn't. Yeah. Just didn't even consider didn't it. Didn't consider it because I just Sheriff assumed Truman. because when I heard it, there was only one. And yeah. now there's this other one. And oh, yeah, that's good call. Yeah, I guess that's my fault for not clarifying, asking right. clarifying questions or something. <laughs> but like, yeah. Um, so per his instructions, she gives him an object that was hidden inside a chair. So this is chair number three. Yeah, and specific, and this is what Showtime named the episode too. Of oh yeah, she specifically stands over it this and just says, "This is the chair." Yeah, and then says, "One, uh, watch right here, watch right here," and then reaches down under the side of it or whatever, mm-hmm. and the thing twists. Right, and it's like, oh shit! And everyone kind of reacts to like, oh, there's like a secret come, and Bobby who reacts in such a way of like, that chair has been in my mom's house for fifty years. Yeah. I yeah. grew up in that chair. Yeah. I had no... I never found this secret compartment in it. And I think that's kind of cool. God, speaking of like, just think, like, take a, take a second and think about, like... Like, my mom still lives in the same house I grew up in. Right. Like, your parents have moved around a little bit. But, like, if anyone has a parent who grew up... Or who is still living in the house you grew up in as a child... Mm-hmm. My, like, I lived in that house my entire life. She's pro- like. It's moved down to the basement or whatever now, but she's got some of the same furniture mm-hmm. that she's had since I was a child. Also, your your basement, your mom's basement, I should say, has not been touched since the. Since it's the a hodgepodge of. It you, still has that like brown carpet, brown shag carpet, the wood velvet paneling. paintings. Doesn't it have velvet paintings. Uh, there's no velvet paintings, but they're all like of. her old, paintings. like generic seventies. It's the paint she used paintings. to sell. She used to do right. like paint, but like. All of the old furniture, none of which matches because it was like, I don't know what to do with this. It's a perfectly good couch. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I'll put it down in the basement. Yeah. But imagine if like all of a sudden you found out when I'm 41 years old, you know, Bobby is mm-hmm. a few years older than me, realizes, oh shit. Yeah. This couch had a secret fucking compartment in it <laughs> all my life and I had no idea. And That's hilarious. And not even that. And he's realizing that. On film. And not just that it was a secret compartment that I didn't know about it, but my mom did know about it. Yeah. And never, it's not just like, oh, we all discovered as a family that there's this yeah. weird secret compartment. My mom has been keeping this mm-hmm. dope and there secret And there was a me. thing in it for me uh-huh. that she knew mm-hmm. she was going to give me one day, but had to wait till I came <laughs> looking for it. And she kept that entire scenario from me. Yeah. Wow. That's yeah. wonderful. Yeah. But then, but then, what I love is like, watch right here, watch, and it opens. You're like, (gasps) and then she pulls out a little fucking metal rod, Uh and you're like, what the fuck is this? (laughs) Like, goddamn it! It's so anticlimactic. Yeah, but but they still all like, whoof. Yeah, let's get some coffee now. Yeah, like it's great. Uh, Okay, so we go back to uh, South Dakota where Cole, Albert, Diane, and Tammy meet um, Knox and Mackley. 
Mm-hmm. They're at the Buckingham, excuse me, Buckingham, the Buckhorn Police Department. I just finished The Crown recently <laughs> um, to to view uh, Major Briggs' body. Um, Diane stays behind the lobby and reads a task, excuse me, and reads a text reading around the d- dinner table. The conversation is lively, which we saw Mr. C send. Yes. Okay. Okay, so now we've connected Diana this, and Mr. This C. Is like, so this episode has A, a lot of chairs, B, a lot of timeline linkage. Like, if, if you were one of those people who is trying to actually map out the timeline of season three, mm-hmm. there are a lot of clues in this episode. Sure. Well, I'll get to a couple of them a little bit later. There's one blatant one that suggests specifically one scene that we see in this episode happens... In the episode, this the scene that happens first chronologically in the episode actually happens later than when he's walking down the street. No, I'll I'll get to it okay. when we get there. But, um, but yeah. Anyway, uh, so Mackley explains the circumstances of the body being found as they go to the morgue where Talbot, who she's the coroner, right? Yeah, great character. She's great. Such and a good character. She's, I feel like she's she, a wonderful actress. She's in a bunch of indie films. I feel like she she's is in great. this sort of role a lot. She, I, I saw her in. I think I watched a couple episodes of the show Hung. Mm. I think she was in where she mm. was like a pimp for somebody. I think you're right. Um, but God, there's just something about her that's very delightful and very earnest. But me. she's a great like. Uh, she was just in. She dies tomorrow. Uh, which came out this past year, and she's great in it. It's an Amy Simetz movie. Oh, yeah, yeah, She's great in it, but that's a dark, more twisted movie, uh-huh. and she's not, like, goofy and silly. Or, like, Happiness, she was in that movie, the Todd Salons movie, and she's very, like, lighthearted on a dark, like, depressing kind of level. It's oh, okay. really interesting. Like, black uh, comedy kind of thing. Yeah, but her role in particular is... Mm-hmm. Yeah, but... Uh, so Mackley notes that William Hastings and Ruth Davenport, so that's... The Philip, head that we find. Is Ruth Davenport's head. Yes. she's the one, She was murdered. Bill yeah. Hastings is... Um, Matthew Lillard. I was going to say Shaggy. And if I say Shaggy, that's who I mean. Except. Because I was going to say the killer in Scream 1, but I didn't want to spoil it for anybody. Oh, well, you just did. But I know. That was the bit that I was doing. Uh, also... Also, if you haven't seen Scream 1... He's not the only killer. So oh. people are going to be like, I don't remember Skeet Ulrich being in this movie. <laughs> I, and then they're going to be like, I don't even remember Skeet Ulrich being in any other movies ever again. Because what, Johnny Depp took over all his roles? Who's no, Skeet he, was tra- he was trying to be Johnny Depp. Oh, he was a secondary Johnny Like Depp. they were okay. like, oh, remember Johnny Depp in Friday the 13th? Or, yeah. uh, I'm, I'm sorry, um, Nightmare on Elm Nightmare Street. Yeah. Um, like and it was baby. like, oh, this shit. Like, he was very much trying that, to like, play Johnny Depp. That 90s greaser vibe yeah. that everybody was going yeah, yeah, yeah. for for some reason. Absolutely. Um, anyway. Who? Um, so he notes that Bill Hastings with Davenport had been blogging about, about alternate dimensions. So this is, for me, like a real turning point in this whole mm-hmm. series. And we'll link to this. The search for the zone.com is the place. That's a real website. And oh. as of this episode airing was up and running and looks like it's from 1997 yeah. on purpose. It's fantastic. Oh, that's very good. That's like how the space jam website is still up and it hasn't changed since really? 1994 yeah. or whatever. It's space jam. Um, but yeah, there you can go to the search for the zone.com or .net or whatever it is. 
and it's okay. up and running. Or at least it was. I assume it still is. Um. So, yeah. Okay. So, so they've been blogging about alternate dimensions. So, this sort of further, not blurs, but, but, but compounds, I guess, what is going on with the Bill Hastings character. Because when we first see him, he gets arrested and he seems very much like to his wife, like, it's fine. Don't worry. Like when he gets arrested, mm-hmm. doesn't he kind of reassure his wife? Like it's a mistake or am I making that yeah. up? Yeah. Yeah. And then he gets to like, I was in some deep shit. Like I may have pissed off the wrong it, people. It almost makes you wonder if he remembers, like if this shit is coming uh, back, like, like the whole Bob pulls the rip cord. Like if he was in this alternate uh, dimension and then doesn't really remember it or if, you know, he's just a fucking liar to me, if, and he's lying to his wife. Oh, I think when he was lying to the police. No, like he's, I mean, he was having an affair. Right. So he's capable of lying to but his wife. He's definitely having a sexual affair with Ruth Davenport as well as whatever the weird, because I was wondering if yeah. that sort of yeah, said, I mean, oh, no, no, they weren't having he, a sexual affair. They were just like in this weird niche I think, project. I mean, he talks about like, we were in love. We were, we were going to go to oh, God, the Bahamas. We were going to go scuba diving. Uh, like all of that. Yes, is, you're right. Yeah. I'm sorry. I forgot. I don't know how I forgot about um, that. But we're, we're getting, moving forward in this whole sequence, but we really glossed over the fact that Diane in the start of this scene when she's sitting in the thing gets that text like what's going on there mm-hmm. is Di- Diane is in cahoots with Mr. C when did this happen because she seems genuinely surprised that Coop was found right and now she's having conversations with him coded conversations yeah like has she and she, her performance to to Gordon Cole about like that wasn't him. Mm-hmm. I don't know who that was. Does she know she's talking to Mr. C? Mm-hmm. Does she think she's talking to somebody else? The number comes from unknown. Unknown, yeah. We don't know. And then at the end of it, she sits fucking spreading total fucking man, man spreading. It's yeah. great. And looks <laughs> and she pants. looks up from her phone, but it it's hard to tell exactly. But it looks like she stares directly down the lens. Yes. That's Which what you, we, we don't we get it, that very often. Yeah, we watched it twice. I think she does. Still right to the camera. She looks right the into the camera, camera, which is an interesting move. Mm-hmm. But I, I feel like well, I, okay, like, wait, wait, I don't wait. have anything this much to say about that in particular. But I just feel like we glossed right past that, and I think that's a big revelation moment. Okay. You are you getting us more wine? Yeah. Okay, do that. When else have we seen people stare into the camera the only time i can think of is um during the uh one-armed man speech but is there any other time somebody like fucking looks down the barrel of the camera yes i'm trying to i i know that one um because he says the damned and looks into the camera yeah there's that there's How's Annie might be? I don't recall. Ooh, he looks back over his shoulder, but there's he's there's toward the camera. Unc- yeah, I, I'll have to exactly. go back and look and see if he like there's, actually mugs. There's the another one, and I feel like I'm forgetting it. Okay. Um, I'm sure somebody will help us. But there's there's another look in a camera. I th- think, and I'm trying. So it's probably. I mean, it could be like 
Bob's speech, you know, when he does the whole fire walk with me poem, probably looks in Oh, I think a lot of them, when they do the poems, they do it straight yeah. to camera. Yeah. Like anything that's not... Oh, okay. Interesting. Um... So Albert notes the incorrect age of the body. He says the thing, this looks like a body of a man in his 40s. Um, And Cole pulls him aside and they connect it to Cooper. They then return and Talbot shows them Dougie's ring found inside the body, prompting Cole to wish to speak to Hastings. Um, What this seems to have glossed over is the best flirt of all time. You're I feel like you're putting your head down like I'm wrong. It's amazing. For these this is the most accurate flirt for both of these characters. <laughs> yeah. It's fan I, it, you said it was flirty and I didn't even clock it as being a flirt it's until you ab- said that's what I love about it is that like so she says like, oh, and he was the marble champion of the sixth grade. And then they all kind of like, okay, that's not relevant. And that's just like Constance making her jokes that she does. She's right. a stand-up comedy on the weekends. Yeah, yuck, yuck, so yuck, yuck whatever. I like her so much. Um, but then <laughs> Albert takes that as a moment to, out of character for him at all. Tells a joke. Makes a joke. It's such a no, subtle joke. I want to be clear. It's not that he tells a joke. He like makes a like call and response type joke. It's not just like, oh, I'm... Because he well, says, he says like sly, quick. So she says he's the marble expert or champion of sixth grade or whatever and he says so when did he lose his marbles like when did he grow up and when when did he become a grown man okay like it's a little bit whatever but it's also just like so when did he lose like he's not marble champion anymore Eh? Eh? elbow 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 and then she says when the dog got his cat's eyes and and that's when he's like you got my joke well this is your major briggs it turns out that William Hastings, along with the help of Ruth the Librarian, was researching and publishing some strange little blog about some alternate dimension. This from the principal of your local high school. Not to mention marble champion of the sixth grade. When did he lose his marbles? When the dog got his cat's eyes. Which, like I think that's the key is that he said such a low key joke. I think you're, and the fact that she picked up on it, and he smiles back at her, like we don't see much in this way of like, holy shit, you just picked up on my really deep cut low low stakes bad joke. Yeah, and like not only that, topped the fuck out of it with a cat's eye joke. Oh shit. Okay. You, I like you, and it's delightful. Okay, can I say how I misread that? seen until just now i thought he was doing like a setup punchline joke that he said and when did he lose his marbles and she said like that was an established joke of like how did oh. the, why did the chicken cross the road to get to the i don't think I th- so no i think you're right i think okay. i was wrong but that's i thought he was like doing a setup punchline joke which is not i mean it's also possible that it is a setup punchline joke, but it's so fucking no, old tiny and whatever and dumb that nobody knows it. So the fact that she knows it no, is worthwhile. I disagree with the thing I asserted thirty <laughs> seconds ago because it now I read it as Albert is being an asshole as Albert is wont to do, and, and she and enjoys she, it and like 
like is playfully batting calls around. him out yeah. on it, but also like, hey, we're having this fun banter. Yeah. yeah. Again, cannot be clear enough. And all of an this entire movie about these two across a dead body. Yeah, I forgot. A decapitated dead body. Exactly. It's all just wonderful. I it's so simple and subtle, and both of their performances of those things is great. Gordon Cole in that scene is still like eyeballing Mr. Detective about everything. Um Tammy just looks confused by all of it. Yeah. And Mackley's like, when do I hand over this information to you? I don't (laughs) give a shit. I don't want to do this anymore. Right, exactly. And I think it's yeah, it's it's everybody's interaction or I guess and Cynthia Knox is there too and I don't recall what her oh god I reaction kind of is in the background but, but I don't yeah I don't remember at all but it's I just great scene everybody interact like it's it, it feels very old school so subtext and so subtle that I I think it's just wonderful doesn't it feel very old school Twin Peaks to you of like yeah, yeah we're just like yeah we're doing a very serious this thing. whole episode is straight up out of season one it really is it's I think that's why I enjoyed it so much um, we cut to Jerry Horn in the woods. I, I'm saying this now, and again, I, I, as I said before, I do not remember. I remember the very ending, and I remember a couple other little things. I remember very little of what happens from here on out in this, se- this season. Okay. So I am confused about why we keep cutting back I, to Jerry having his sojourn in the woods. Hi, which A, sounds fun, B... <laughs> Does not feel like it forwards the plot. <laughs> it it's a it's comic relief. B yeah. he becomes there, he witnesses something later that becomes relevant. But the biggest and I think they're just reminding you. Don't forget he's here. Don't forget Jerry's here. So they ha- and and they're doing it in a way that like here's Jerry again. It's like for a scene break. A, a stupid one line bit of I think I'm high or I am not your foot or whatever I'm not your foot and then the physical gag he does which I genuinely could not tell if that was him or a stunt I double mean, it it could go either way yeah because we saw he's very physical we saw him he, do the worm off like a yeah, third he's, step he's, but that was also 27 sure but he seems to also still be in pretty good shape yeah and but he's also got shorts. this big thick beard on that it's easy to hide right. a stunt double if you were to do it and it looks like they the way the ground moves when he lands it was padded is a little bit like oh, oh they it's a pad that they put dirt on and they wouldn't do that for a stunt double you don't think a good stunt double most of those guys are famous for like no 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 i want to hit the ground it looks real if you put me on a pad it'll look fake so it's the trade off of like do you want the fall to look really real but not be the person the actual actor or do you want the fall to look like you're landing on a pad but it's the real actor oh, and you kind of I have see. the trade that's why stunt doubles like like famously or like um like the stunt doubles for like joe pesci and home alone that guy just flung himself on a con like yeah. five feet or like down five stairs on right. concrete onto his back because that's what we needed in the shot you can't pad that concrete. Yeah. So he just does, like, if this guy's landing on dirt, there's no way they'd put a pad there for a stunt double. Yeah, that's fair. And it's and it's leaves, so that gives yeah. you some padding. Yeah. Uh, but it's but still, I mean, they looks also like, still, I'm sure like they pad yeah. somewhat. Like, they can't, I don't know. They, I don't no, know anything I, th- I mean, they, they, they put, like, cables and stuff so they don't die, but most of those stunt doubles, like, yeah. they, they will fling, especially, like, 
it's just from that's a nothing. Yeah, he's he's them. on his feet and then flips to his back. Yeah, that's, that's not hard. Yeah, that's not hard for those guys. Um, yeah, I, I don't know a lot about stunt work. I used to watch a lot of specials on horseback riding stunt work because uh, mm-hmm. I was a cool kid. Um, but what I really liked about this, um, there's a really good stunt woman doc that came out a year or two ago. Oh really? Um, yeah, I get down that. Um, what I really liked about this particular little scene, and I went back because I didn't watch it good enough the first time and I wanted to watch it again, is it reminded me of like a Donald O'Connor pratfall. Donald O'Connor from um, from Singing in the Rain, mm. uh, who does, like if you yeah, yeah. if you know nothing about Donald O'Connor, uh, O'Connor, first of all, watch Singing in the Rain. It holds up very well. It's extraordinarily entertaining. Yeah, we saw that at the Chicago Symphony Orchestra a couple years that ago. That was so good. So it was... So it was a big screen playing the movie yeah. and the Chicago Symphony Orchestra played, played the all the soundtrack. music behind it. It was very, very cool. I feel like we have been for the last five years in an interesting um, state of like having money because we do kind of bougie sounding things, but we do them once a year yeah, and we talk about them for 20 years. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> As opposed to like when we met Kyle McLaughlin at that yeah, wine that's a thing. thing. No one else, like the, the other people who went there, nobody talked about it again. Because half of them left early. Oh, like yeah. Fucking... Oh, we moved seats because people moved early and we had obstructed view. Yeah. <laughs> Which it's not, I mean, whatever. Anyway, but the stunt he did, so the bit is he's stoned, he looks down, his foot says, I am not your foot. And it seems to be like planted because he's like all of his weights on his back this, leg. Like it was like a it, really good physical gag. It's like his he's right trying to leg get away is, from his is own bolted to the ground and he's trying to get away from it. He's trying to get and away from his like own And he keeps like leaning foot. in and then being like, ah! Yeah. And then he just does this a really cool like golden age of, of, of Hollywood pratfall mm-hmm. of just grabs, grabs his foot and pulls it up until he flips himself over yeah. onto his back. Well, it looks like... He thought his foot was like bolted to the ground somehow. Oh, so he, he pulled it with enough force to lift it, but then realized just it's not. So over. all I did was flip myself yeah, 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 over. Yeah, yeah, um, Just great. Just I. Whoops. I <laughs> I just got LASIK this week, so I'm just just have eye drops with me wherever I go, and I yeah. Just and also that means the day that you got back, uh-huh. you looked like. Mr. C. Oh, God. Your eyes yeah, we were did dilated so big, and your hair was like shaggy a little bit. And I was like, oh, dear God. Well, I, I married Mr. C. <laughs> well, and I, I don't like that. I have long hair. And if, you have, if you're like me and you have long hair, there's something you're very aware of if you. If you're going to be on a plane or in a car, that like I want to be able to lean my head back, yeah, uh, and not have my hair in the way, so I don't want to put a bun like, and so I just French braided it down, but like I have just dumb hair, and so it just like I it was very Einsteiny by well, the time was you weird saw is me. You, you kept saying you're still with me. That's good, and I that I didn't like. That's where it got weird. <laughs> but I did like I didn't realize how dilated they were until yeah, I looked in the mirror, like, and like like there was no color in your eyes at and all. And I have light, was, like I have green eyes. They're yeah. pretty light, and so it's it off. looked straight, just <laughs> giant black balls in your eye. It was creepy. Got a lot. But now you can see without the aid of glasses or contacts. It's so congratulations! Very exciting. Thank you, Michael. Uh, thank you for be- being supportive and walking me around like an old person because I. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I got LASIK, and normally the whole if you've ever gotten LASIK or even I would say it's similar to like when you got your wisdom teeth out mm-hmm. that like you just need somebody there to make sure you get home okay mm-hmm. and like for LASIK they don't put you under but you and you can see but not well you can't and, drive. and yeah. you're definitely can't drive and you're supposed to keep your eyes closed and so <laughs> I don't I didn't even tell you this part I text Mike because literally before I don't think I told you this yeah when, were you texting me you kept I was like just call me 
Just have someone call me. And I was like, you kept texting. And I was like, I, how are you even doing that? Well, that was... The thing is, the procedure takes less than 10 minutes. Yeah. And so literally they say... It, oh, it, I, so you text, I text hey, you, come get me now. And then you went in. And, and that's what they it. say. They're like, text your ride right now. You're about to go in. You'll be ready in 20 minutes, which is wild. Because Also, it was like eight minutes. Like it was... Oh, totally. Because that's what you told me. You were like, oh, we'll send you a message. And then you got about a half an hour to get there. So it was like, perfect. Yeah. So it was like grocery shopping and shit. And then you text me and then eight minutes later, you're like, you here? Mm-hmm. And I was like, no, I thought I had a half an hour. <laughs> like, and then Mikey texts me and I... Because my eyes were so dilated, I couldn't read. Yeah. And so I had to, I had to walk up to, like, not the nerd, the dental hygienist. I don't know where they <laughs> Good are. Good thing there. I didn't say some fucking. <laughs> God, you would. I'm sure they've seen weird shit. And I was yeah. like, can you read this for me? And they're like, it says, should I come up? He should not. And I was like, okay, thank you. <laughs> and so I walked, like, I took the, it's on the second floor, which is treacherous. And so I had to take an elevator down one floor and I opened the door and it's, if anybody's in God, literally anywhere in the country, yeah, right. everything's under snow. And so when your eyes are dialed, you're and very it was super sensitive. sunny that day too. Super sunny. And so I like when I was walking out of the office, I was like, okay, I can't really read my phone, but I can like see where I'm going. Mm-hmm. I could see the elevator. And then I took one step out into like the parking lot and just stood there. Because like, I was like, I have nothing here. Taking it back to Daniel Day Lewis, it's like I remember this. I saw Gangs in New York in the theater. I've always wanted to see Gangs in New York because of this description it's, that you have. It's not as effective. But I bet, even at down home. here? Yeah, maybe. But because uh, we have blackout curtains. Think in our about basement. a giant it's screen a, yeah, now and sitting it. in the dark. If you if you've seen I remember watching Gangs in New York. I saw it in the theater. So the all Wait, whole, that whole opening sequence, not sure. Um, whole opening sequence of that movie, they're in inside, you know, this old timey home wooden area. Burn. Yeah, and it's all lit by little like lanterns and and little like uh, torches this on the wall. This has been two thousand two, so almost okay, twenty years ago. <laughs> so like little like uh, lanterns and stuff on the wall. Torches. So it's, and I. It feels honestly like straight up out of Das Boot. Like that might be the only lighting used, which is wild. Das Boot. But it, the same, the idea that like there's very minimal actual like movie theater light. I'm sure they have some because they probably need to. That's pretty common. Yeah. but Especially recently. They want to be like all natural light. And Scorsese would do something sure. big like that. But then they start walking down like this mineshaft sized tunnel to mm-hmm. like go out and they kick open these doors and you see it from the inside you see the seam of the door and they bust open these doors to a snow-filled courtyard and it's just blind in you're you've you've been sitting in this dark scene where it's barely lit and you're squinting yeah and it's and your eyes shrink down to the point where like okay i can see this now because it's 10 minutes your pupils dilate exactly and they bust this open and it's just you, you can almost there. I don't know if they added sound or if you just hear it go, mm-hmm. and this white just fills the entire giant screen, and it your eyes are just like what the fuck, and it's incredible. Yeah, it's I. It's just such a great reveal, and I love it. Um, I but it's a fantastic moment. I'd be curious to watch it again, but. <laughs> Gangs of New York is one of those movies that I think of in line with like crime and punishment that I think of them more as like a concept of a movie or the concept Hmm. of a book. And I would like there are some books that are so legendary that you're like, oh, crime and punishment. 
there's a plot, there's a character, there's yeah. something. It's not just like this Russian Idea. thing about like the concept of crime and punishment. And kind of Gangs of New York is the same way that I'm like, oh, yeah, Cameron Diaz is in that. I guess mm-hmm. there's like characters yeah. and not just people walking around I mean, in Victorian costumes in the snow. That's part of the reason. Shooting I've, each other. I'll probably get flack for it, but I'm not a There Will Be Blood fan. I, I think the movie is over the top and pretentious. Um, and more importantly, just boring as fuck. Um, but one of the things I don't like about it is that it's Daniel Day-Lewis, supposedly one of the greatest fucking actors, whatever, but basically playing Bill the Butcher again, which is his character from Gangs of New York. Oh, interesting. It's basically the same character, I and know, I fucking hate that. I don't know that I've ever seen a Daniel Day-Lewis movie. I genuinely don't Last think Monkey I have. Last No? My Left I, Foot? Mm-mm. He is just in movies that I'm not interested because in watching. Because movies built around, like, yeah. Daniel Day-Lewis. Well, and I don't, like, listen. Did you ever see Lincoln? I never saw Lincoln. Yeah. Which, that was more, I just didn't get around to seeing it. But, yeah. like, I, I would That's, be willing It seems to see like it. the most likely to have Sure, seen. of course. Yeah. Um, but it's just one of those things that, like, every time they describe a Daniel Day-Lewis movie, it's just about his performance. And obviously I enjoy watching people, like, mm-hmm. give good performances. But I also, like, you know, I'm... I don't need another like mm-hmm. white male centric mm-hmm. character I study. I absolutely I think agree. And very, very rarely are movies with giant standout performances good movies as a whole, in my opinion. Okay. Like I'm, tr- I. Oh, see, I disagree. Like I think I disagree, they obviously but I also, exist. are you thinking like specifically like Daniel Day Lewis style? Big, like yeah. Oscar-winning performances. Your, your, da- yeah, your Daniel Day Lewis is your Joaquin Phoenix. I'm, mo- I'm not a big like. Honestly, I hands down, no joke. Think Joaquin Phoenix's best role is when he was Leaf Phoenix in Parenthood. I think that's the best performance he's ever given. Yeah. And like, I don't hate Joaquin. I just Joker was dog shit. I, I hated that movie. I don't need like. It. There's a bunch of these movies, and like, he's fine in it. But like that's what I heard. It, he I didn't play, see that movie like, either. It's, it was a really, really weak script, and he elevated the script better than it could I've have been. I heard he actually very much deserved the Oscar, but yeah, the movie itself he did was not good. more with that movie than was on the page, and the direction was off. There were a lot of people who worked on that movie who did a much better job than the movie. I think the sure. the score was incredible. Who directed that? That was somebody, right? Todd Phillips. Oh, I which is part of why it's about, so fucking bad. It's, I yeah, the guy who about did the whole drama around the Joker. Of yeah. Todd Phillips was like, "Oh, you can't make comedies anymore because everybody's too politically correct." Right. It's like, oh well, okay. And then he made this movie that's <laughs> supposedly about mental illness, but in the most generic fucking way. Like, I almost want you to see it just so I was you can just like about be on board. Like, Mike, the way they everyone's like, "Yeah," but it's so deep because it's about mental illness. Oh, what mental illness? No, just like generic, generic mental illness. Like, fuck you. Honestly, I... Make it... If you want to make it about a thing, make it about a thing. Don't... Like, he's got symptoms of, like, schizophrenia for sure, but, like, also maybe he's bipolar. Maybe... But also but maybe is he bipolar in the way that we, personality, like... Personality. Or maybe he's autistic. Or mm. maybe... Like, it's all this shit of just, like, oh, it's a hodgepodge of let's make him crazy. And then all that is is a fucking insult to mental illness. Yeah. It's so fucking lazy, and all of that is the direction. And he, what I'll give Todd Phillips credit for is that he hired good people around him to make that work. Mm-hmm. But the did movie he write is, it, Todd Phillips? Uh, I don't 
I don't know who wrote it. Oh, I look at it. But he, but the the score, the woman who did the score, did an amazing job. The score is fantastic. The cinematography is pretty good, but also a little over the top, stylized. Uh, screenplay: Todd Phillips and Scott Silver. And okay. I'm going to tell you right now, their two little thumbnails look identical. And yeah, <laughs> and outside of that, the movie is a hundred percent like. Not an homage, but directly trying to rip off Taxi Driver, King of Comedy, some of these like great classic Scorsese films. Uh-huh. And like, it's one thing to be influenced by these; it's another to try to fucking mimic. I don't. Sorry, I could go off on a while, but no. I I think the fact that people don't see the Joker movie as a complete and utter sham mm-hmm. baffles me. I I'm genuinely surprised that people don't see through it. And I the only reason I don't think they do is because. Walking Phoenix managed to elevate that performance above the page, and the score is incredible. Yeah, I was. Um, there's a uh, uh, a documentary that just came out this week or maybe the week prior um, about uh, uh, fuck a lot of lamb. Um, lava 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 lamps. No, a la- uh, uh, <laughs> lamb is her last name, and I, I cannot think of her for it's. Alana or something similar. It's the woman who uh, went missing at the uh, the murder hotel in L.A., um, the Cecil Hotel or Cecil Hotel. I can never remember. I don't know anything about any of that. Uh, Elisa Lamb is her name. So okay. essentially, it's a it's a it's a thing that internet people were like fucking obsessed with for like five years, and understandably so. It's a cuckoo bananas story. Essentially, this young this young woman. She's twenty one or twenty two. From Vancouver, did a which called her West Coast tour and did a solo trip through like Oregon, Washington, mm-hmm. California. She ends up in LA, stays at the the Cecil Hotel, which is famously fucked. Like it's <laughs> where Richard Ramirez stayed when he was on his murder spree and uh, reportedly came back to this. Do you know who Richard Ramirez is? Oh, we've talked about it actually we, on this yeah. podcast. He was the um, night stalker. The, the night stalker, exactly. The, not he, the original, but the original. Right. <laughs> the, uh, yes. The the actual original, the original not the yes. yeah. right. Um, uh, Richard Ramirez. He was the night stalker. Um, and when he stayed in L.A., he would come back from murdering people and either be covered in blood or his clothes were covered in blood. So he would take his clothes off and just be in his underwear and walk to his room. And everyone was like, "This is fine for this this <laughs> hotel." So this young woman goes goes missing. And then it's this whole thing was she murdered, what happened. And there's one piece of um, video footage of her the night she went missing where she's in this uh, in this elevator and she seems to be like leaning out the elevator and looking at somebody and then like hiding and then like You're talking about the Solange video, right? No, I'm not talking about the Solange video. (laughs) Nobody talks about the Solange video anymore. Okay. okay. Um, (laughs) And it turns out she ended up in one of the water cisterns on the top of the roof and they didn't find her for like Two weeks. Cistern? Is that like um like, like the te- like the water tank? Yeah, kind of thing? exactly. Okay, cistern. I've never heard that word. I don't know if it was the right word, but I okay. I thought Sorry, if I said I it with enough confidence, you wouldn't call me out on it. I just I was confused. I had never heard that. Um, in a water tank, and so for these two weeks, everyone's like, "Where the fuck is this girl?" She vanished without a trace, and then she turns up. And so this is like peak web sleuth thing of like just people online mm-hmm. doing all this research. And it turns out she ended up in this water tank. Her clothes, she was naked. Her clothes were all at the bottom of the tank. And she was just floating there. And so everybody was like, was she murdered? Was she this? Was she that? Like, the theories went like cuckoo bananas crazy. And then part of it was 
that it turns out Elisa Lam uh, suffered bipolar disorder. So I also have a friend who has bipolar disorder, and it happened. I know that friend. And Mikey knows that friend. Um, and we happened to turn on the... Yes, we're very impressed <laughs> that you know my friend, Mikey. Um, she and I happened to... I didn't tell you this. We happened to turn on the last episode at the exact same time, and we're like texting each other like... Last oh, episode. Of this documentary. Oh, okay. And we text each other like, oh, I'm watching. Oh, I'm watching the last episode too. And we were literally to the minute synced up. And so we were talking about it and they did all this shit about like, well, she was bipolar. So she was doing this and that or the other. I text my friend and said, how does it feel with people or just like anything is attributable to bipolar disorder. And she's like, oh, I'm used to it all the time. What? Yeah. And that's how, that's why I find that Joker so insulting. Exactly. Is that's thank like, you for bringing I, my point. I have yes. anxiety issues, which are minuscule compared to a lot of men- mental illnesses. What I deal with is not uncommon. I have depression. Sure, that's uh, brag. <laughs> right. But I also am mentally ill. But but the fact that like they 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 prop it up as as this like excuse for this person that. But it is an excuse for white men. It, that's Anytime exactly, white yeah. men do anything batshit, it's let's look back bat, on his bat shit. I don't get it. Batman. I don't get it. Batman. Who's that? The Joker is the Batman. Joker's Batman. the Batman? That's twist. <laughs> uh, any anytime like no, some yeah. dude gets an AK and mows down a mall, they're like, Well, was he bullied in junior high? Yes. And, like, and, and a black also, guy looks at a take-or-leave-a-penny like, thing only, and gets shot, and it's Not only just blaming this awful shit on mental illness, promote the stigma of mental illness, mm-hmm. it also, like, then they go back and take that one step further of, well, the reason he has a mental illness is, like you said, he was bullied or he was whatever. That's not how fucking mental illnesses work. I mean, like, if, if trauma you, is a different Trauma thing from is very illness. different. Yeah. And that's that's the difference between the Joker or Joker and Twin Peaks. Mm. Is this dark shit is born out of trauma and mm. these things that you do to try to protect her from trauma? Like... It's an exploration, like Twin Peaks is an exploration of trauma in a in a way that I find interesting. You brought that back around in such a skillful but, way, but, Michael. <laughs> but then the Joker is just this like... It's an excuse. Dog shit of like, let's chalk it up to generic mental illness and then put a green filter on everything and everything is dark now and like, ooh, it's edgy. Because they're counting on people not knowing about mental illness. And well, now we're in a living in a world where people know about mental illness yeah. and your movie looks like shit. Well, and also, like, if you go back to the Heath Ledger Joker. So good. So good. And, th- like, I, he was a... Also, like, sociopathy is a thing. Psychopathy is yeah. a thing. Yeah. People who do not feel empathy or remorse right. is a real thing. And that is an interesting thing to explore, which I think they did it well mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. the... Some men just want to watch the world burn. That's all you fucking yeah, need. Dark, like, dark Knight. That's part of the other reason, too, I don't like it, is that the Dark Knight nailed it. Did it. They you, did it. We did the you thing. You crushed. You've got your 89 Batman, and Nicholson was fun and crazy and kooky and mm-hmm. weird, but it was all lighthearted and... Still comic booky. Yeah, it was on this level where they weren't diving into it. It didn't matter. Mm-hmm. Dark Knight crushed it. Mm-hmm. Then the fucking Suicide Squad was just dog shit. So dumb. And then 
I honestly, I think Joaquin Phoenix's Joker is is the worst Joker. Okay. And I, I know I stand alone in Jared that. Jared Leto? Jared Leto's is bad, but Jared Leto... Didn't Jared Leto send, like, human hearts to his... Uh, he did do stupid shit. But that is a Jared Leto thing, not a Joker thing. But the, I feel but like they him... approached it the same no, fucking way. No, but it's him way. trying to be Daniel Day-Lewis. Yeah. And, like, and oh... And Jared, Jared Leto is a... Jared Leto's not a good actor. I don't I, know that I've seen him in anything besides Fight Club, and I haven't seen that since high school Requiem because I'm for an a adult. Dream. But oh. also, he's the worst part about Fight Club. I don't. His character that well. in Fight Club sucks. I he's he's okay in Panic Room, but I don't think he had to do anything method for Panic Room. We have been meaning to watch Panic Room for like a year. Okay. Um, oh, because back when we were doing quarantine, yeah. movies. I just there's like anyway, so many of these guys that. Yeah, Jared Leto is probably worse. You're probably right, but I'd rather watch like Caesar fucking Romero. Oh God! Than watching his Phoenix. painted mustache. Yeah, don't get I, it twisted. Just, I'm into it because the script is god awful, and more importantly, the like Joker made me dislike old school and Hangover in some of these movies that I genuinely enjoyed because I had this utter disdain for Todd Phillips now. I so love because of the way he like school. stepped up of like you guys haven't even given me a chance and then his movie delivered everything people predicted it would be and he complained about it before it came out exactly. which is not a good sign exactly. for an artist it's um, ugh, I, I fucking hate can I tell a story anyway. and then we'll get back to this episode um, I read Fight Club in high school okay um, because I had seen the movie and then, so you read it after the movie? I okay. read it after the movie. And in that book, and I cannot think of the author, even though Chuck he's... Chuck Palahniuk. Thank you. Is it? Hmm? Oh, I got Chuck Palahniuk... Palahniuk? Palahniuk mixed up with the sex Chuck life... Chuck Yes. <laughs> but Chuck Palahniuk. Sex, drugs, and cocoa puffs, not yeah. sex... I said six lies and cocoa puffs. Sex, lies, and videotape. Which is a is an, mashup, I would say. Is Steven Soderbergh. Yes. Anyway, I, so I read Fight Club, and I was in chem, uh, physics at the time in high school. I was probably a junior, and I, I, I had a good relationship with my with my teacher who called. Well, okay, you tell me if we had a good <laughs> good relationship because he used to call me third gear because <laughs> because my brain was in first gear, but my mouth was always in third gear. And I, <laughs> 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 Sorry if that was incredibly loud. I did not expect that to be where we were going with that. Whew. Were you, were you laughing because it's true? No. <laughs> Michael, look, don't be a dick. <laughs> I mean, you've... You've shifted down since then, I imagine. But when oh, you, you were think young- I'm, I have less energy than when I was seventeen and what? needed attention so yes, desperately? Absolutely. I needed attention like I needed sunlight. The fact that you weren't in fourth gear is kind of surprising. <laughs> Who? <laughs> anyway, man, oh God, I wish I could remember. I can picture him perfectly. Um, uh, <laughs> anyway, I straight. So in the book of Fight Club. They had a recipe for like C4. They had a recipe mm-hmm. for exclu- explosives, like straight up in that book. Mm-hmm. And I, because I desperately wanted teachers to think I was a cool adult like them. What? Why'd I'm, you do that face? I, 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 
Just go. Why, why are you rubbing your forehead like just that? Just go. I want. I start, I like brought him the book. I was like, "Do you think this would work? He should have had me arrested." And I was just genuinely like, "I want to make sure you know I'm reading this like cool, edgy thing that has the thing because I'm a grown up." But he should have been like, "Yeah, Jessica, that would work." Here's our compliance officer he's gonna shoot you in the fucking head because you're Whoa, clearly gonna like fanatic. blow up this school i was a clear and present danger but i needed i needed detention more than i needed explosions. so in summary jess is in third gear i hate joker we both hate over like over over what white men over confident and saturated yeah exposed focused on over white <laughs> aggressive over white white men aggressive yeah um i don't know somehow we got all of that off jerry doing his <laughs> yep i mean legit hey john bernardi you're the one who told us that you liked our little things <laughs> <laughs> it's true. this is your fault sure 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 so we go back to uh twin peaks uh the station house station house Station sure. yeah. Sheriff Station, yeah. Yeah. This is a great... God, Chad this is, is such a good... Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love is, this He's a scene. son of a bitch. He's such a good heel for this whole scene. So Chad is eating in the conference room. Truman, Hawk, and Bobby come With, in. like, a bowl of soup-ish or something. I like wasn't. pudding, maybe? It's it was something thick. with a spoon. Yeah, plastic, like a stew. Plastic something. And then two, like frozen microwave dinners so he's got like three things and a magazine and he's just like reading the magazine he's just like (laughs) i didn't realize he had that much like i did a lot because that's why the gag worked yeah so he has two two frozen things and then a bowl of something it looks like a thick soup or maybe it's like like a vanilla pudding or something like that but He's just yeah eating all of this in the conference room. And they tell him to they tell him to leave, and he goes, "Oh, I know you said yeah, we you go. know you can't eat in the conference room." And he's well, just, you always have coffee and donuts here all the time, and so they tell him to leave. And so he and we watch this in real time. He well, he What I like though is is Truman says you you know you can't eat your lunch in here, and he immediately gets defensive. You guys have coffee and donuts all the time, but then Truman does nothing else, just looks at him again, and he's like. Okay, sorry, sorry, sorry. Like, sorry, Dad. And then just starts stacking it up. It makes me think that Frosty and or Lynch, at some point in their career, worked with this kind of, like, dumb bully. Probably. Like, because that's just... Because just the way they... Probably both of them, honestly. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I I have to assume Lynch, as a child, was was moved around a lot and was Mm. like a young artist so he probably got picked on all the time oh yeah and he probably had the same haircut <laughs> yeah um but just though I, I find it really cathartic the way this character is treated not he's not constantly yelled at he's not mm-hmm. like shoved around it's just like we don't have time for your bullshit mm-hmm. like you're trying to alpha male me and i don't and care you've got no yeah all three of us standing here are more important than you. it just it's I feel like it's every, like, yeah. nerd, mm-hmm. their little fantasy. Oh, Sheriff. Oh. No lunch in the conference room, Chad. I know, but you guys have donuts and coffee in here all the time. Chad, take your lunch to the lunchroom. Sure thing. No problem, Sheriff. Sorry. 
won't happen again. Um, so he leaves, including so, a great scene when he asks Hawk to get the door for him. and He has to ask him twice, too. And Hawk just stands there like, I shouldn't have to get the door for you because you shouldn't fucking be here. Mm-hmm. It's Which, so good. That part does edge into vindictiveness of like, fuck you, Chad. Well, I mean. Instead of just also, clean up your own mess. We're not helping also, you. Also, we find out later that they've been investigating Chad. Oh, do we find it in this episode? No, but. Oh. Okay, so. we know Chad is not, not just a shitty punk asshole, whatever. He's, oh, he's crooked. Because we know he's crooked. And we know he's dirty. And you know what? So do these guys. Yeah. Okay, that's fair. Um, but they, so. That anyway, does justify the behavior. This whole better. scene is really, really long. Mm-hmm. And then they finally leaves. And then they sit down, and Bobby is smiling. This is so good. He opens the window. They got some air in there, and he's leaning up against the window, and he's smiling. They're like, what are you laughing? He's like, I know how to open that. We have to go outside. So they do this whole fucking scene to clear Chad out of the fucking conference room. It's so petty. And then they didn't even need to be there. And then they go do the whole scene outside. It's so fucking good. It really- And unnecessary. And those are the realities that like Lynch likes to give you as a director of like- yeah, this whole bit could be cut out. None of this needed to be there. But it just it enriches. Texture. Yeah. The, enriches the whole, is good. Yeah. yeah. The, all Layers, texture. Yeah. <sighs> um, so Frank and uh, Hawk are trying to figure out how to open. So this object, it's what, maybe four or five inches? It's maybe a little longer, but yeah. Uh, and it's a narrow, like the, the width of a straw. Like a regular a drinking straw? straw. A th- yeah, but yeah. Like if you're getting like a smoothie? Yeah, sure. And so they're like, pl- and it's, you're looking around as if you're going to see something like that's similar in our like, house. Like, it's like the length of a pen. Yeah. But th- like a thick pen. Yeah. Sorry. Um, so they're like feeling it over. So there's not a lot of like. And it just looks to be made out of like iron or and, like. And just, a solid. solid gray metal. And so they keep yeah. saying, like, is there a button anywhere? or buttons or anything. Yeah. Um, and so Bobby says um, he, they, they have to go back outside. So they get outside. And God bless me. I love this scene. Because Bobby's <laughs> face, when he straight up smashes that shit on the ground, well, the is, best, it's he's like, like he's a child. I know how to open this, but we need to go outside. And so they go outside. And then he grabs it. And spikes it, <laughs> and then just like, 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 Full a fucking, like, it. oh come on! And but then you realize that, like, oh, it's not just like you think he's like, oh, I'm gonna, like, like, he's gonna break it open. It's almost like the when they bust open the puzzle box in season two, and he's like shooting at it. Yeah, that's what yes, it yes, feels yes. like. Except I forgot for, that entire yeah, plot. Except life. for that, this is accurate because he throws it on the ground and then goes scrambling after it. He picks it up out of the ground and says, like, listen, and you can hear it vibrating and once it vibrates to a certain it's like a, like pitch, a tuning fork yeah once it vibrates to a certain pitch you hear a little click that something unlocks so then you throw it again and, and he, then that's what actually he opens genuinely it. transforms into like a nine-year-old just it's like great. all arms and legs because like I, big grin on his face and it, like his his gadget belt or whatever like his gun is like flopping <laughs> yeah. around and like he's just Holy and he's shit. like because he, the way he because he's like i know i've got a limited amount of time to pick it up uh, so he's just scrambling for it in the grass. It's so good. It's just so it's, good. And it, then, and and Hawk and Truman are just standing there staring at him. Mm-hmm. That's what's great is they don't move at all, and he just scrambles around like a fucking nine year old. It like kind of um, ooh, 
it reminded me of something, but I can't remember what it was. Okay. Nice. Thank you. Um, so it does it So it opens. So it kind of comes out uh, like there was two little tubes mm-hmm. like nesting into each other, and there was a <laughs> like little like a toilet paper roll almost. The little springs that kind of. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. So not the toilet paper roll, but the, the holder. Yeah, yeah. I thought you just meant like. I was like, no, no. We understand what like. Ever heard cyclical- of toilet paper? <laughs> Think about it. We understand TP, what that sh- toilet paper, Twin Peaks, TP. Think idiot. about it. This whole show I'm is revolving kick around you Twin off Peaks. This show, I'm going to get a new partner who knows less about Twin Peaks, but is also less annoying to me. Hey, we're back. It's me, Jessica, with my new partner, Bubba. <laughs> I think, for some reason, I feel like the wine is hitting a little bit harder today. <laughs> we usually drink during these things, if you haven't noticed, that they go a little further off the rails. The fr- like, we we typically tend to, like, recap the first 35 minutes of an episode in about 25 or 35 minutes. And then the last 10 minutes. paragraphs yeah, left. The last 10 minutes of the episode takes an hour and a half. Yeah, we're at an hour 40 right now. Really? Because... No that's the beauty of Pursued by Bear Wine. Pursued by Bear Wine. Buy it from our website. Via du- a link that we might put up there. Cooper Duper. You- uh, no, I'm going to call it. I'm throwing my hat over the over the mm. wall. Cooper Duper dot Pursued by Bear Wines dot com. Go there. We'll get a cut of it. And you can definitely buy wine. You can't shake your head. Nobody can hear that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Fucking Bubba. Oh, okay. So they remove a slip of paper. It has this nostalgia isn't the right word, but like when they opened this paper, Mm -hmm. it felt so old school Twin Peaks. Mm -hmm. I'm like, okay. Well, there's a direct old Twin Peaks reference with the Cooper Cooper. The Cooper Cooper. That's the page that Major Briggs shows him in the season two premiere where he says he gives him all the clues. And one of the clues is, I got this, oh. it's space garbage, and it says Cooper, 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 and it says the owls are not what they seem oh. among all the space garbage. That's a cutout of that page. Okay. Okay, I'm into that. But, so here's the, th- so it says 253, go to Jack Rabbit's Palace, mm. and it gives you a date of 10-1 ten ten. and 10-3. Ten 10-1's ten my birthday, Michael. Yeah. Or is it maybe 10-2? 10 1 10. It's fucking rude. That's what it is. You know what I mean? 10 1 and 10 2 or 10 1 and 10 3. I don't remember. But the point is, you get a date of 10 1, and he says, Oh, that's in two days. Mm -hmm. In a later scene, you see Bill Hastings write the date. date, And it was. And it's a later scene, and it was 9 20. So that Bill Hastings scene that we see later in this episode happened a good week and some odd days prior to this scene. Interesting. Why they were put in that order, I don't know. But it's not a mistake. That doesn't seem like a mistake. Otherwise, why would they have showed us that date? They didn't need to show it to us. Absolutely. If it was like, oh, well, we want this scene to be later. They just don't show that part where he puts in there. You don't need to. They gave a close up of both of those dates. And they don't need to do that. That whole scene didn't need to happen of like, oh, he's signing and dating a thing. Like, Well, yeah, uh, you, you identified Briggs. That's all you needed to do. So showing us those dates seems important. Yeah. And so that's what I was talking about earlier about being, you know, saying if you wanted to put this season 
in order chronologically. This it's is not even this within. Is, these are, but these are two of the solid dates that you get. You don't get a year, huh? But you get so even within this day. episode, assuming it's a week or so before, or it could be a different year. Yeah, different year. Hmm. It could like there, there's a bit that comes up later of Deputy Jesse comes in and says, "Do you want to see my car?" It's a new, and he starts to say the year, and they cut him off. Like that's intentional. I don't know. So Is there's that this, 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 not episode. In this episode. No. Oh, I thought I fully no. on missed that whole thing. Fully on. Shut up. Shut up. You shut up. Bubba's an asshole. I don't know why he said that. <laughs> um, and so we talk a little bit about uh, Jack Rabbit's palace, um, which uh, Bobby notes that was like a little fantasy place that yeah. he and his dad used to go and make up stories and, and which is very cute very great memories of it like he's yeah he's like remembering seems like a very good dad in a very sweet way yeah. yeah um also the in the object is the transmission briggs intercepted with cooper's name that's what i was explaining okay. yeah uh, yeah all right we uh go back to south dakota cole and preston go out to diane as albert is indisposed I don't remember that Wait, scene. Is that say, a whole scene? Say, say it again. Cole and Preston go outside to Diane. Oh, this is the smoking scene. Oh, oh, uh, oh I was okay. Like, Cole and, okay. I, Can you do the comparison between our dumb dog and David Lynch? Of the looking. <laughs> oh, oh, the way, so there's. Daddy, are you Okay, off? so yeah. in the cabinet where we keep our dog treats, it's like just to the right of the stove. So when we're cooking. If I'm if I'm cooking something and I don't need to be actively moving something around or whatever, I'm you know, things are boiling or whatever, I just kind of nestle in and sit up against that corner, which is right next to our stove, which is right underneath the cabinet where we keep the dog treats. And if I'm ever standing there in in that thing just waiting for food to cook, Dottie, our dog, will sit at the floor three or four feet away. And then just stare at me and then occasionally side-eye, like she doesn't move her head. She just occasionally side-eye glances toward the cabinet, then back at me, then back at the cabinet, then back at me, then back at the cabinet, and back at me, which is what David Lynch does during this scene. To the cigarette. Where he's looking at Diane and then at the cigarette and then Diane and then at the cigarette. (laughs) And it's amazing. Speak of the devil. Oh, are you big dum dum? Were we talking about you, dum dum? My sweet dumb girl. Um. Anyway, so, so she is smoking. He finishes off her cigarette for her, mm-hmm. which genuinely, like, I am not a smoker. I haven't had a cigarette in like ten, years. and I never was a smoker. I used to smoke socially once in a while because I was an idiot twenty-two year old. <laughs> the way he smoked that cigarette, I was like. Should I start smoking? That looks great. Oh, and that's the thing is he loves David, loves David Lynch loves, loves coffee. Smoking. Yeah. Does he is he a drinker? I don't know. Because I'm I'm curious. I would, be, I'd be surprised, honestly. If he seems like a non-drinker. Yeah, I, I just I feel like a lot of people I know who have been or are in recovery from alcohol mm-hmm. or what or whatever drug abuse tend to be like full like chain smokers yeah. or like well, fucking it's a coffee drinkers yeah. and so or like I, I have a good friend who actually we've talked about him on this show but he's in recovery as well um na and aa and has shifted that into like fucking marathon running but he's like taken into like he doesn't drink doesn't smoke doesn't 
Oh, anything and just has turned it into like he is incredibly fit now. Yeah. I, I, you got to repl- you have to yes. replace it with something. I mean, I, I think certain addicts have to replace sure. it with something sure. like that. Not everybody, but like sure. for sure. Like, and I'll cut this out. Like Chris Hardwick always struck me as that. Like, yeah, he, he stopped drinking and couldn't stop working. Well, and that's a lot of things too. It's like uh, Liam Neeson's wife died, and he was like, "I'm going to take every fucking role I can get because I need to not. I be need here. to work. Yeah, I need to just, which is understandable. Sure. and like, fine. This is. I'm sorry. I want to be clear. It's not a criticism. It's just a pattern yeah. that, like, yeah. that we kind of notice. Uh, but this whole scene was just. You see it all in one shot, and it really feels like was it all in one take? Yeah, I was never a smoker. I've never smoked. But you wanted a cigarette. But this scene feels like I worked a lot in restaurants, like every fucking smoker break. Mm-hmm. Where the only reason I ever considered taking up smoking is so that I could get breaks that smokers got that mm-hmm. non-smokers didn't when you worked. In, if you ever worked in a restaurant, oh, yeah. you could take breaks all the time to smoke. You couldn't take breaks if you were not a smoker. Or just sit. because you. So I, I would occasionally, if I could get a break, I would just go outside mm-hmm. and just stand there for five minutes. Because whatever, but that's what's happening in the scene. It's, it's the, you go outside and you just have this. A this is a smoke break in this episode. Mm-hmm. You just you stand out there. You get a, a f- four minute scene or whatever mm-hmm. where they're nothing. That's how smoke breaks are. Nothing really happens. They're not even on like phones. They're just looking around. Mm-hmm. Why is Tammy even out there? She's right. not smoking. She's just standing there. And she then, does do. I, and then looks disgusted when. My least like, yeah. favorite thing about this scene is she keeps like changing positions. Oh, and yeah. they're all very choreographed, posy. it seems. Yeah. Yeah, posy is better. Yeah. It, <laughs> sidebar. My my buddy, John, who you never met, who I uh, worked with in Montana, he. Um, so that was not my last job, but one of the jobs I had that was like one of those kind of you work an eight hour day and you mm-hmm. get a 30 minute lunch break and you get two 15 mm-hmm. minute smoke mm-hmm. breaks. And neither John or I smoked, but there was one day that he and I were just sitting and I think it was a cold day. So we had um, stoked up the fire. So we were just sitting by the fire. I don't think we were just like sitting at some point and the not our boss, but our boss's boss's boss like came around on his quad. I worked on a ranch. So he came around on his quad and like walked in. And as we heard him come around, me and there was one other person we went to like stand up and he's like no 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 that is not the mm-hmm. thing you want to do because he's like he was like an old railway worker like john worked like john had an amazing life and he was like that's the last thing you want to do so whoever our boss was walked in was like what are you doing john goes i'm taking our smoke break like we're taking our 15 minutes mm-hmm. and he's like oh okay and left and he left and, and john was like in his mid-30s when i when i knew him and i was 22 and he was like never jump up like you've been caught. That is how they yeah. catch you. You earned the, you get this yeah. break just because well, you're not fucking smoking. I mean, it's it's the, the whole thing. Like, I'm very, a very, like, I take my fucking time off at work. After five o'clock, I'm done. Mm-hmm. You know, like. We, we have very similar. Occasionally a thing will come up and it'll be like, okay, I'm going to work. You know, I got to do this extra thing or whatever. But then a lot of times I'll take a shorter day the next day. Like, I you hired me to work forty hours. Mm-hmm. I'm not one of those like I. I'll I'll lose out. I I'm willing to lose out on a promotion to someone who works seventy hours a week or whatever. Because because fuck that. That's not and you we hired don't even me have for. kids. But like right. we just want I, to live our lives. My, yeah, my home life is and my but my company is respectful of that. Like mm-hmm. I'm never asked to come in or do things mm-hmm. outside of my scheduled or time un- unpaid I, stuff yeah nobody's asking me to do shit on weekends or whatever mm-hmm. like 
you know. Well, that's I just had a, an interview for for a company this this week, and she asked me, and I thought it was a very interesting question, like. When you're interviewing with a place, what are big red flags and what are things you're excited to hear about? And my big red flag, and I was, I feel like I could have undercut myself, but I kind of don't care, is Mm -hmm. I said, the thing that I hate is the person who works late is the hardest worker. The person who gets in earliest is the hard. Or like when Mm -hmm. bosses go around at 5.05 to see, are you still at your desk or did you go right at 5? Like, Mm -hmm. I have no, I don't care if this is a great paying job. Absolutely. I, like I will do my job I work hard I do not clock I have other shit I want to do and not only that like the better employee to me is the one who can get their work days in f- worked on in eight hours yeah. rather than well and because you have to like there's a there's a problem with the business if yes. you can't get your job work done in the allotted time yes and like I think Mike and I tend to be like pro workers rights over oh, capitalism yeah, and so it's that is a very small way to say like because I've had that. I'm sure you you have too mm-hmm. of like... Oh, God. Do you remember when I worked in AV? Oh, God. It was awful. Well, I worked, I worked for a bank. I worked, yeah, 80-hour weeks and like fucking doctor's hours. Like they'd call me in at like 10, 10 p.m. and just be like, yeah, emergency. Got to come in. And I was making like 30 grand a year. It was, was garbage. Awful. Yeah, well, I remember that when I worked at the bank um, for three months, which is a fucking nightmare... The woman, the woman who is the head of marketing at a small Midwestern bank would get in at seven in the morning and leave at six at night. Mm-hmm. What the, like, it's, listen, you're not trying to cure cancer. It's marketing for a bank. And like, I get that yeah. that was my job, but like, this is not an on-call job. If yeah. I wanted to be on-call, I would have done something important. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I'm. Anyway. <sighs> So Hastings, <laughs> so we go to the the room with Hastings. This is a great, another great performance. Oh. Like Matthew Lillard, I think is He's an extraordinarily awesome. yeah. underrated. Pro- like I think he fell into that sort of stoner nineties yeah. guy well, category. He has his voice naturally. He sounds like he's been smoking pot since he was two and, years yeah. old. Um, and he does this whole thing. Um, to question about his blog, he says that he entered an alternate dimension, met the major who had been quote hibernating there. And he always refers to him as the major. The major. So which? So we is there we any ass- reason we assume that? Well, he identifies it as Major Briggs later, but oh, okay. that's where they started. That's why they started questioning him. Is hey, we found this blog of yours. Mm-hmm. You keep referring to the major. Is it the major Briggs? Is it you know our the major? Right. Yeah. And um, he confirms that at the end, and then also dates it. Right. So uh, Ruth wrote on her hand prior to her death, and he did. I loved this moment. He like he she wrote it on her hand so she wouldn't forget it. <laughs> like it's just it's it's both over the top and absolutely sincere. Yeah. Of like that's what that's the thing that would make me cry about somebody I love dying. Of like he wrote it on yeah. his hand. And like it's one of those things that like what a weird place to be in. Of if if in fact he is innocent of everything like all all i did wrong was cheat on my wife Mm -hmm. which is not a federal offense usually well i mean if you're president clinton it can't be lied under oath michael it's not (laughs) let's not pretend that was anything other than it was um (laughs) the thing is like he's torn with this like I didn't do this, I don't think, but I also I have memory lapses. And also, we were in this weird alternate universe space. I I don't 
I can't tell you anything to help me because I don't because know. it sounds insane. Yeah. You are not helping me. You think I'm a suspect, but I can't defend myself. Mm-hmm. What the fuck do I do? And it he so it seems delivers like it's- that like absolute helplessness yeah. vibe and like total so honesty because yeah. I don't know what else to tell you bud right it, like genuinely it is if this podcast that we were doing wasn't based on a show but just based on like <laughs> random things and somebody called us in like so do you think the owls are not what they seem like oh my god I thought we were just like doing a fun goof thing yeah. I didn't realize this was like yeah. up to the FBI yeah. like could you imagine if the FBI yeah. came in like oh so you figured out that one thing Wait, no, we were just doing dumb goofs about, like, I've been drinking wine. And and, and now she's dead. I don't know anything about that. I didn't do that. Yeah. yeah. Um, So he, so he, uh, so the major, as he calls him, gets coordinates for, uh, for Hastings. Ruth wrote on her hand prior to her death. And so he doesn't have those coordinates is, is the reason that. that So this is, we've got now. Mr. C has been looking for these coordinates. Mm-hmm. We know Ray had the coordinates, supposedly. I got them. I memorized them. That was what I he was... I can't place who Ray is. Ray, the from the last episode. Yes, yes, Ray. yes, yes. Ray, um, who was trying to kill Mr. C. Right. Um, the, and now Hastings has the coordinates via Ruth. Okay. Um... So we're starting to plug in. The information Mr. C is looking for is these coordinates. What are these coordinates for? We don't necessarily know exactly. Uh-huh. But They're... we're starting to piece together who has the coordinates. Okay. Ray is one of them. Uh-huh. Hastings is another should one. Should have been the other, but he doesn't have them. Who? Because you said Hastings should have them. Or Hastings heard them, but uh, right. does not have, cannot doesn't access rem- them. But knows Ruth has them written on her hand or whatever. And we don't know where Ruth's body is. Correct. <laughs> yeah. That wasn't a bit. I just put that yeah. together. I forgot that we haven't seen Ruth's body yet. Um, and I genuinely don't remember. I cannot be clear enough that like I this know. isn't we, a goof. Yeah. I genuinely don't sure. remember. None of it stuck with me. Yeah, You're right. Because yeah. it, it's chaos. Yeah. It's just like lights flashing at me. And you you watch things very loosely. Mm-hmm. If you didn't have to discuss this, you'd be on your phone and wouldn't take any of it in. Yeah, that's true. Well, or it takes something to like hook me in that I'm mm-hmm. like, okay, I'm putting down my phone. I'm into this now, which is weird because like I like costume dramas, which are all just like people yeah. talking in soft voices yeah. <laughs> to each other, which Mikey can't fucking stand. Anyway, um, so uh, Hastings identifies a picture of Briggs really quickly. They do like a photo lineup of mm-hmm. six or eight and people. And immediately, yep. Oh my God. Yeah no, yeah, no question. No question, yeah. Um, and he says he floated up saying Cooper, Cooper. So is we, that something we should, I should remember? I mean, we, we saw Mr. Major Briggs's head floating, say Blue Rose. Right. That's a floating reference, like. But that's not. Where is what he he's floating from? What, I, what does that mean? Yeah. Like, he's clearly not in a. He didn't find him in a warehouse in South Dakota somewhere. Of course. He found him in some Body weird, weird otherworldly space. So you're thinking that it, when they were doing their research or whatever, who he and Ruth. Okay. 
Yeah, they they found the they, that they say that they found a portal to this other okay. dimension or okay. whatever space that they're in. They found that portal. That yeah. portal is where they met the major. The major. And he was floating and said Cooper, Cooper. So he was clearly not Major Briggs as a human. But like a you know what I mean? Like the way like we saw hologram. Major Briggs's head like sure. floating that of like, was not. oh, I recognized this and it said something to me, but it's a one-way communication. Like they didn't have a conversation with sure. him. All he said was Cooper, Cooper. Uh-huh. That is weird. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, Well, and it's an interesting thing of like he's bringing a thing in. This guy said Cooper, Cooper without obviously understanding who Dale Cooper is. Sure. So him just offering this up is like, like a yeah light and, and light Albert up. and light bulb Tammy behind. and and Cole react to that mm-hmm. but oh, we don't know what that sure. no one still knows what that means it's not like Cooper was this and this and this like yeah. it's, you just said the he name said the and name it's Cooper. like this Which means nothing be, to me yeah. oh shit all of a sudden it means something to you potentially uh, so we go back to uh, the Great Northern, where Ben and Beverly are once again um, hmm. investigating that noise, that that sort of ringing, I guess. And that's what's interesting about this is they are describing the noise in this scene. And Ben likens it to a monastery mm-hmm. bell, the bell of a monastery, like the sustain of it. Yeah. Um, um, and then refers to it as it being it as it sounding otherworldly, mm-hmm. which is a on the nose yeah potential um and then they almost smooch but ben politely refuses which like good for you dude like that's yeah. some like I, I what i love about ben horn in this season is he's got his shit together he's more than that it's it's not that he's got his shit together it's that he's constantly making effort to get his shit together. Like, the key to He's, becoming yes. not racist isn't like one day, boom, you're just not racist. You have to continually work at these things. Well, you have to hear your initial reflex mm-hmm. and then think, okay, why do I think and this? Then, and then do he's making very conscious efforts to become better every day. Mm-hmm. And I love that about this character. Like, it's the way we hold... You know, things that somebody said years ago. Oh, I said this stupid joke and it was offensive. And then they apologize for it. And they're like, yeah, I'm like, you can tell when someone is trying to become better and say like, you know what? That was, I have to own up 10 years ago. I shouldn't have said that. That was my bad. And there's another thing of like, oh, sorry, you were offended. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? It's, it's the constant effort to do like you're not if you're bad if you're a bad person like he ben horn was mm-hmm. which we you're know not gonna just said. all of a sudden be like oh well i fixed myself and i'm better it's a like it's like addiction mm-hmm. it's it's every day that you have to work you at. have to it's a constant battle to work at and mm-hmm. then you die mm-hmm. well no but like that's yeah. you you don't the best ev- you can hope is to die a better person than like you were people who become sober don't hit hit a point where all of a sudden it's like wipe my hands off i did it i'm yeah. sober now good thing that's over mm-hmm. no and they, it's they every use that single language. day and people like you know like 
can relapse 20 years later. Mm-hmm. You know, like you never fully tackle it. And I think that's a beautiful sentiment that mm-hmm. we get from Ben Horn here is that like, the urge to do bad is sometimes overpowering, but mm-hmm. I can recognize it now. And I'm when I can, I'm making the right choice. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna fail sometimes, hopefully not all the mm-hmm. time. And I, th- there's something beautiful about that. No, I I think that's a really good way to put it because I I uh, yes I I think everybody says your first instinct is just what you've been ingrained with yeah. and maybe that's your fault maybe it's not your fault mm-hmm. maybe it's just how you're raised but if you say something like off the tip or off the cuff rather that's offensive and then immediately like oh god those are that's not who I want to be anymore yeah so I need to work on myself mm-hmm. and and I, I, I yes, then, I, then I, I'm I, not going to blame you for your instincts you know what I mean mm-hmm. like that's the key is do well, you because, get defensive of that or do you try to like it's well and if you're a guy like like Ben Horn or anybody like when you marry somebody it doesn't mean you stop noticing that other people are attractive sure. you just make sure. the choice every day to right. not fuck those people exactly and, your spouse yeah. <laughs> which I don't want to brag but I've done that every day since we've been married oh, I've never you. fucked anybody thank else Michael um, and I try it. every day not- oh, <laughs> listen and I respect your failings <laughs> okay thank you <laughs> Um, no, but it's... You haven't spoken to a woman in real life in a year. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, but no, I, I think it's a really good way to put it of like, he is a person who's trying to, isn't good, but yeah. trying to be better. Right. Yeah. Um, okay. So last, last scene, we see Hudson Mofa- Mohawk performing humans. We see our beautiful, disaffected women standing on the stage. Not yet. Well, anyway, that's the, who we're ultimately going to see. Mohawk is the DJ guy who plays first. Oh, is that who that? Oh, I'm yeah. sorry. Okay. Um, what is something something Mohawk? I forget his name. Oh, Arvasa Simone. Is, is, they play uh, Hudson Mo- Mohawk. Hudson is, Mohawk. Okay. Yeah. And Arvasa Simone is somebody we've seen before. Yeah. The disaffected, beautiful, skinny women yeah. who yeah, yeah, yeah. gently play the piano and have and, bangs. And sway. And, yeah. uh, and wear like jackets. And in, in between <laughs> those two music sets. So we, we see, we, honestly, maybe the most uncomfortable I've seen Mikey watching anything, oh, maybe ever. Rash. It's really, it's. And the way she's just, uh, I have, I have skin problems have a lot. Skin. I get rashes out of nowhere for no reason sometimes. Yeah. Generally the way, what, what did you just, your butt hip? <laughs> yeah. I had a rash on my hip for a little bit. Like I'm super allergic to like several deodorants mm-hmm. and things like that. Like if you put a, if Mikey puts a, um. Uh, band-aid on himself oh yeah when you take off the band-aid i'll have a mark of the band-aid for a week it's it's wild um but it's like genuinely you reacted the way i reacted with the mouth yeah oh absolutely i i fucking hate i didn't because i i I know what those fucking Mm -hmm. things are like and granted mine never look that disgusting no i get a little rash sometimes they don't look that fucking disgusting but the way she's just like ripping at it is is like fucking that shit uh, it's like you, Mikey genuinely did like hands over his face. Like it was, it was. Yeah, I don't like it. I, I, I've never seen you react like that. And again, anything. Who are these people? What do they have to do with anything? We've not seen them. Before, this is right? just our snapshot of what's going what on. Is, in- what is happening with the youth of Twin Peaks now? Oh, uh, you know, I think we get a couple- have to keep reminding me of that. Yeah, I think you need to keep reminding me that there is something going on in Twin Peaks with the youth that they're getting really shitty and terrible because I forget because because my focus when I'm watching this is always like 
this is a person, we're focusing in on them. Where do I know them from? How have I forgotten them? Because I'm yeah, always assuming yeah, yeah. I've forgotten somebody. Yeah, no, it's good is, for you to keep reminding these me These two people are, this is their only scene. These yeah, Ellen and Chloe are their names, so they're named. Yeah, they're, they're named, but they're not named in the scene. They're only named in the credits. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're just, they, they're talking about, they're setting locations in the scene. I work across the street flipping burgers now. Like, they're, they're grounding this to some type of reality. Mm-hmm. But we don't know who they are, mm-hmm. and it's but it's expanding the Twin Peaks universe in some way. Twin Peaks universe, yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, but um, they yeah, but they don't really serve any purpose outside of that. So and we're not going to see them again. No, and this is we did we see another one? No, I guess the the other time that we saw someone in their art house booths, it was ends up being Richard Horn. Richard Horn, yeah. But the other girls aren't in it again. Mm-hmm. That were in the other mm-hmm. table. Yeah. Um, we get another, at least one, other, a couple other booths like this where they don't really matter. But mm-hmm. which is, I wish it was more. My one criticism is I wish it was more clear that these are like people I don't have to worry about anymore because Lynch has a, a habit of just dropping people in I, and they resurface. I think that's why you get. A musical act, then this, then oh, another musical to act. understand that we're... Like, musical act is a cap, usually, of sure. something that was happening. And, yeah. like, the Nine Inch Nails thing was in the middle of an episode, but it was the cap on... The that, narrative right. part of the episode. Now we're going to do this other thing. And then the the Hudson Mohawk thing was a cap on the episode. Then here's a snapshot at the World of Twin Peaks. Okay. Okay. I then like here's Oravas Simone. Cool. All right. Well, we kept it just over two hours. I like to say, so we're at two hours and nine minutes. I'm always really interested to see how much I cut out and see, yeah. like, what if the, what if I release this and it's 90 minutes? Then you guys have I mean, a lot I, of bullshit that we I, wrote. Unless you want to cut out entire, you know, sequences about Joker and Daniel Day-Lewis I and shit not. like that. But if, unless you cut out large sunks, all the little bits that we cut out, like going to get the dog or whatever. Mm-hmm. Are going to be replaced by audio clips, yeah. and then we end up probably about the same length. My dad just texts me and talks shit about Rush Limbaugh, so oh. that's a pretty fun development in my life. Um, okay, Fuck so I loved. Oh, my wine glass is empty. That was so loud it woke the dog. She's it needed to be loud enough to pick up on Mike. I don't think you understand how sensitive these mics are. <laughs> They're very sensitive. I'm very sensitive, Jessica. I know you are, and that's why I, I love don't like you. Rashes. Huh? I don't like rashes. I know. What are we going to have for dinner? Yeah, I don't know. What are we going to watch tonight? Yeah, I don't know that either. If we watch Tenet, I'm definitely going to take an edible first. But I'm... No, we're not because oh. I can't. It's only 6.30. No, but it's February. Oh! That really is a strong buzzkill. But that's just that's, wanting to watch random movies. But that's the whole point of it. No, like, and I that's understand. That's the whole reason I'm doing it. And is, I'm not saying you're wrong. I don't, I'm just did saying, we talk about this? I just realized. Uh, we have. We talked about ahead. I during the month of February for Black History Month, I'm all the movies I watch need to be directed by a black director. Um, but that's exactly why this is so good. It's that like, it's what, what I find interesting about it is not that like, oh, I'm seeking out cool new movies that it's by nice black like directors this. that maybe I would it's the fact that like it makes you realize how hard it is to find a black tell directed them, movie tell the audience what we watched after we recorded last week what did we watch after we recorded last time I don't remember 
buckle up for safety, motherfucker. Oh, yeah, we watched Taxi. <laughs> Which was good. Yeah. Like, oh, good is a lot. So I've got a spreadsheet that I've been working where I, I write the title, the director, the date I watched it, and a rating, and I gave that movie a C plus. Yeah. Because it's, uh, I it's give it a B not minus, but yeah, awful. Yeah, yeah. There's some funny stuff in it, but it's not good. I mean, for, It's by no means good. No, no, no. But for that genre from like 2004 or whenever it was, yeah. it's as good as any of those movies, yeah. which anyway. Okay. Um. All right. Then we will talk to you. So far, the winners of the month has been Eve's Bayou. Oh, uh, which we just watched last which night. Which is incredible. Yeah. It was fucking heavy. It's very, very good though. All right. Um, on that note, we will talk to you next week. Goodbye. Okay, bye. Thank you for listening to Cooper Duper, a Twin Peaks podcast for regular people, hosted by Michael Greif and me, Jessica Bloomke Greif. Our podcast logo is by Forker Creative. You can follow them at Forker Creative. Our theme music is by Brad Chactus. You can always email us at cooperduperpod at gmail.com. Please go on iTunes and leave us a positive review and tell a friend. We'll see you next week.